Hello. Thank you for turning on the Uncommon People podcast. This is a show about ordinary people and their stories, about you and me and everyone in between, and our perspectives. Everyone's different perspective and experience and what we bring to the table. I think everybody brings something different to the table, and we can all stand to learn from those around us. So I love being able to hear other people's stories and listen to what they have to say and share it with others. If you think you'd like to have this kind of a conversation, please do reach out. My website's joeltimothy.co. I've got contact info up there so you can get in touch. This is episode 17 of the podcast, and I'm talking here with Jordan Baker. Um, I was really fortunate to have a little bit of time to talk with him while he passed through the area on a road trip. So I hope you enjoy this conversation a lot and you learn a lot from it and that you get all the way to the end. That's kind of a feat, I think, for a lot of people. So here is episode 17 for you. It's very chocolatey. It it is a little bit. If I could mold the perfect beer without having to do any of the busy work, if I could just think of it and it would exist, it would be a little bit less rich than this. But okay. the, the sweetness, the bitterness, it's all there. It's right. You're a fan of this one. Yeah, but it would be a little bit less rich. Okay. We're, we're drinking a... I don't remember what it's called exactly. It's the... Oh. Oh, it, we don't even have the bottles with us. No, we're drinking has, out of glasses. It has all the keywords on the bottle, though. Yeah. It's it's, the, it's from Founders, right? I don't know. Founders. It's a breakfast stout, I believe. And it says on it, double chocolate coffee... Oatmeal. Oatmeal stout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you can probably find it if you're listening and you're wondering what we're drinking. You can probably find it with that information. What when you got it to? You were making a chili. I was making. Did it chili. call for a stout? It didn't call for anything because oh. it's. I don't have a recipe that well, I follow. You, you made it up. Yeah, but I mean it's chili. It's like beans, ground beef, some peppers, tomatoes. And then, now, then the spices that you like. But you bought this to put in the chili. Yes. And that is that a typical thing? Typically, I like to make chili with a beer in it. And is it a dark beer? I prefer, yeah. Okay. If it, if I'm going to put it in something like that, a dark beer is good. So I was looking for a dark beer. I was considering Guinness. Is a, Guinness is a good go-to for that kind of thing. But I have a friend, actually the guy whose property this came out of. I remember him telling me he likes to put an oatmeal stout in. Mm-hmm. And his chili. I think he was, we were talking about chili. And so I saw, I think I saw an oatmeal stout with something similar looking to this. And I, I decided to look around a little bit more. It was like 11 or $12 for a four pack. And I found this and I liked the picture of the little kid eating breakfast on the bottle. See. And, and that's what I bought. So if this podcast ever gets real big. And the and the guy who 
worked on the design of that bottle, here's this. He's going to be proud. He's going to be very proud. He's going to say, that that guy bought that because of the picture I put on there. That's why I typically buy things, though. Yeah. (laughs) There's So I want it to serve the purpose that I initially have for it, which is, you know, whatever it may be. In this case, it was I want a dark beer to put in my chili. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, if I don't really know what I'm looking for, I'm picking it based on what it looks like with pretty much everything. I mean, I knew the Yamaha was a good amp. Mm -hmm. I knew that there were a number, there were a number of amps in his booth that were great. But the Yamaha got me with the specifically those the gauges that it has on it that show your levels. Because the other one I was looking at didn't have that. And technically, you could have said that one was a little better actually, but it was also fifty dollars more, I think. And it didn't have the gauges, so I went I, with that. I would buy a thing like that. Even if I wasn't looking for an amp, I'd probably buy that just for the switches. And I'd pull the switches pull out the switch. and put them on something, <laughs> put them into something else. It's like, I'd like to have those switches just as like light switches in my house. Oh, that would be amazing. Or, yeah. Those are probably like five bucks a piece for one of those little pieces. If you can really? find them on eBay. Yeah. Oh, as a replacement. Yeah, if you were broken. to look for knobs or, or, or switches for an old amp like that. Mm-hmm. If somebody's parting out one of those, they'd be selling it for a lot. Right. So that's, there's probably a pretty good market there. If you, if you. Uh, for vintage audio in general, yeah. I mean, if you got into buying broken, a bunch of broken pieces, you pull the good parts out and part them out. Yeah. Yeah, people. I'm too lazy to do that, though. I experienced that with uh, a lot of the stuff I get into, building building things, and I need uh, a window switch. Um, there's people that know that, and they there's people whose entire jobs, they, they collect they collect bits and pieces of other things, and mm-hmm. they sell them to people who, are, who need them. Yep. And uh, they know you need it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what a junkyard is. It's well, a junkyard, though. A more generalized version of that. Uh, like, they know people want right. the bits and pieces. More niche yeah. areas. Yeah, junkyard's nice. It's pick and, pick and pluck. Mm-hmm. Go in, pull the thing you need. Yeah. There's there's one north of here called You Pull It. I haven't been there. I've heard there's... I've heard there's some funny characters you run into there yeah well i've been people with long beards and don't think they haven't showered in a while i've been that yeah (laughs) that sounds like a guy you met yesterday yeah (laughs) yeah no i've been there in that junkyard when uh i've been that guy yeah (laughs) you know going there looking for something real specific and going there with a grinder and cutting things off cars give me an example Something real specific and niche that you've pulled out of a vehicle. <laughs> well, we could get into some, uh, I mean, I can go as deep as you want with that stuff, but uh, I needed some wires. I'm a frugal guy. I hate buying something new when I can find it. Uh-huh. Even if it takes more work to find it than it would to like go work the hours at a job and make the money and buy it new. Um, so I needed some wires for... I was building a solar array for 
my first camper I had. And I knew what gauge it needed to be. I looked online. I didn't like, I, I hate when I go on it. I was like, I just need a little wire. And it, it's like, you know, 40, 50 bucks for some wire. And uh, so I went to the local junkyard. There was an RV sitting back there in the back. And I went inside this RV and it's like, it looks like a homeless camp in there. I mean, there hasn't been people living in there, but it's all trashed up. Yeah. Bees have gotten in, windows busted. And uh, I ripped the wires out of the wall. And they were 10 gauge. I needed 10 gauge wires. And so I fished all these wires out of this RV. And that became part of my solar array um, in the first camper. Mm -hmm. Now I'm on camper number two. And camper number two pulled from camper number one. Okay. And so part so of those are those same wires yeah. living in camper using, number two? I got two? one little piece left. I bought I bought nice ones for this one because I, I spent a lot on it. And um but I needed one little jumper to there's way more panels here. Mm. So I need I need to connect uh an array that they're in series. I needed like six feet more to reach over to another panel. Okay. And uh that I pulled that wire. I pulled that wire off of my uh, old camper. What happened to the old camper? Did you disassemble it? Dismantle it? it out? Yeah, it, it started leak. The ceiling was sagging. And because uh, it was just you bought it, it was an actual camper. Yeah, and you just bought it and put it on the back of the truck, right? Yeah, yeah, and it. You know, we did two road trips with it. Uh huh. One to the West Coast in uh, California, and then the other we ended up. Um. How far did we go? I think we went to we went to Seattle uh, on the other trip, but from from day one, that first camp it was our first RV thing we ever bought, and uh, we know now what to what to look for. Um, I mean, it had black mold in it. Mm. When we got home and started, when you bought it, when we bought it, the there was a little panel in the ceiling was uh, the panel in the middle was sagging a little bit uh -huh. and i'm like all right i just need to re reattach that and being the overthinker i you know pulled it down and kind of looked up in there and i'm like oh, that's not it's been leaking and so it turned into a lot of work yeah that's that happened to jc's forerunner the inside is totally gutted right now as far as like all the paneling inside is right. out and the headliner is gone did it have a leak it had a leak in the um sunroof Okay. And it was full of black mold. Yeah. And we didn't let it get to the point where we had like effects from it. Mm -hmm. Some people were affected by that. You know, they'll they'll get a hives or something. Mm -hmm. Or they'll start I don't know what happened, start getting asthma or something. And then they then they're like, Maybe there's mold somewhere. But no, we, we just kinda found it and took it out before before it got to us. But did, what was he feeling the effects of it or no it no it was it would just it got to a point the leak was bad enough it got to a point where it started just water leaking into the cab right and so then he wanted to get to the bottom of it and he found the leak by pulling things apart and realized there was mold growing in it and so he just finished pulling everything out so it's a skeleton now on the inside so what's he gonna do uh, he wants, it's kind of his project vehicle now that he has the Hyundai. Mm -hmm. So he wants to, I think he probably wants to fix it and sell it. 
How old but is I'm it? not sure. It's it's a ninety-eight or a ninety-nine. Forerunners. Let's see, I think my parents used to have one. They hold their value. People, People want really, forerunners, well, even newer ones. I, I mean, I don't know how long do they still make them now. Yep. Oh yeah. Probably one of their I best don't know sellers. if it's changed now, but I heard I heard uh, a couple of years ago that the forerunner, the forerunner may be one of the only vehicles still that's body on frame. Uh, like the rest are going to a unibody design. Oh, so it's like a truck frame. A chassis, like all mm-hmm. vehicles used to be. And so the newer cars are, the frame is all integrated into the into the body. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the advantage of that is you uh, better crash protection, like safety stuff. Yeah. Um, which I'm, I'm not into that kind of lifestyle. But... Uh, the body on frame, the nice thing is if you're in like a little fender bender, you can just fix the body work and it's great. Mm-hmm. Unless you, I mean, it's hard to mess up the frame. You got to be in a pretty serious wreck to mess up the frame. Unibody, you can be in a fender bender, total your car. Yeah. Yeah. So people like the Forerunner up to, I don't know what year because of that. Okay. They, yeah. They, I don't know about the construction. They're everywhere. You yeah. see them. I mean, you see a lot of them around here. And it's Toyota. Yeah, Toyotas in general are everywhere. I'm going to imagine that it's like the uh, people who are into the trucks like I have. Like I have an F-350. Mm-hmm. Uh, people really like the excursions. It's, excursions are cool. It's like I like F, the excursions. Yeah, it's like an F-250. I think, it's, sort, I think of, it's sort of like a van. It's an there. F-150, isn't it? Just with a closed-in bed. Well, it's the same basically. as my same as my truck. It is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, they may make different ones that are rated for different uh, payloads, but the one the one that my friend has is a three-quarter ton rated. Okay. And all the all the stuff looks just like the front of my truck. Oh, I think they're so cool. So, like, the 4Runner is kind of like, people really like Toyota pickups, uh-huh. the smaller, and it kind of reminds me of the 4Runner my parents had remind me of, like, the T100 pickup. Okay. But it's yeah. a 4Runner. Mm-hmm. It's covered in the back, you yep. know. So similar kind of thing. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, the excursion, the reason I took notice of the excursion was when the movie Logan came out. It was about Wolverine. It was the last Wolverine movie with Hugh Jackman. Did you see it? Are you a movie guy? I'm a movie guy, but I haven't seen that one. Okay. Well, the people come, who come after Logan are driving beefed-up excursions. And this is, it takes place like in this decade, the 2020s. Maybe it's the 2030s. I think it might be the 2030s. I don't remember. But it's it's a little while. At the excursion, I think they stopped building them in, shoot, might have been like 2006. I don't know. I don't know. They don't make them anymore. They don't make I, the excursions I just know now. The reason that it's in my mind. I worked on one last summer, and but I I, I followed the um, my truck is a diesel, mm-hmm. certain certain generation of Ford diesel, and the people with the excursions in diesel form. So the the excursion with a diesel, four wheel drive. They're sitting on their retirement fund right there, like people want them so bad. Mm. If you if you have that, you know if you. If you're a lucky guy and bought it, if you bought it new, you know, when it came out and then 
and then you still have it now. If you're driving around, people are going to approach you, and they're going to offer you probably not that much less than you paid for it. New. No matter what shape it's in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, and, and they're just they you don't make them they don't make them now. So if you want it, you got to get it from somebody who right. already got it. There's a finite supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the one, but the one I worked on last summer was uh, that's a gasoline. Uh, that had a had a V10. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just talking about that yesterday, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's a owned by a close friend of mine. But besides besides all that, I'm not even into excursions. No, I like I, trucks. I, I I like them because I like the idea of living in my vehicle, right? And having something that's already part of the cab. It's all closed in together. Mm-hmm. I like that thought. Yeah. See, if I had that kind of setup on the the, the chassis, four wheel drive, uh, diesel engine, I'd like to be a van. Yeah. But they're a lot harder to find than the excursion, a four wheel drive van. Yeah, not I guess you, the the old Volkswagens and stuff, those are four wheel drive. There's even fewer. A lot of, of them. The Synchro. I don't know Volkswagen one specifically. The, the, there's, the, there's a number of different ones that are four wheel drive. Yeah, the Westie. But but you are then you're working with a older, less powerful four wheel drive. They're too. going on forty years now. Yeah, it's not like buying a new four wheel drive truck no. or an even recent four wheel drive truck. Yeah, good luck if you have problems with those. Yeah. Well, not good luck. You better know. Yeah. You better know how to deal with it. Well, that's like um, I was mentioning to you. I asked you if you know James Barkman. He he traveled around for a long time. He might still. I think he still has a old Volkswagen Vanagon. Uh huh. And then, do you know Caleb and Ariana Babcock? No. I don't know if they're connected to Zach at all. I feel like all those West Coasters know each other somehow. Yeah. But. They have. I bet they, I bet they know. I bet they know Titus. I they know Titus. they probably do know and Titus. Titus knows Zach. Yeah. So what? Two degrees of separation. Yeah. And I know. And I I've hung around Titus almost as much as Zach in previous years. So. I mean, we're separated from them maybe at three degrees. Yeah, you could say. You that yeah. Zach's one of the people you got to send this to. They have a podcast. You know, they got to listen to this. Right. I don't know. I I haven't been on Instagram as much lately, so I don't I don't know. There was a little gap where they didn't put it out as much. Yeah, there was. I I feel like they've released episodes kind of recently. Are they to like to resume doing that? But I don't know how consistent they stayed. Yeah, I and I don't know how to gauge whether it's me stepping back from social media. Like if I don't hear from somebody in a while, it's like, is it me? Is that just my perspective because I step back, or maybe they're not posting as much? I don't know. I don't know which one it is. It could be both. Yeah. I don't see much from them, but part of that is Instagram is only going to show me what things I want to see. Yeah, we're going on five years of that now. Yeah, and uh, it kind of killed it for me. I post about three times a year now. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed. I I go back and forth with it. For one thing, I love sharing with people, and I have mm-hmm. so many people around me now who I like to share stuff with, and there's just not a good way to do it. And outside of a huge group chat, 
Um, and texting doesn't work that great when you're dealing with Androids and iPhones and I have an Android. Right. So I like, I do enjoy sharing to social media because I, I know that the people who see my stuff tend to actually be people who enjoy seeing it. But I also just love kind of feeling disconnected from all of it and not posting. Right. So with the podcast, I tend to post something every week. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I probably, well, no, I'll, I'll either find something to post today or tomorrow or Thursday, just like a quote. I post a quote from each episode. Is it is it weird? Uh, as I drove here, I had a long time. I don't know when you're going to start this thing on the... Uh, I don't either. Yeah. I'll pick someplace. Yeah. I, I'm kind of... You may find out uh, I'm, all, I'm all over the place with... Uh, thoughts and things you yeah. all connect one thing to another thing and uh and it'll reemerge. it's good it makes it and, easy and to it, keep the conversation I, I heard you mention to your roommate earlier he said something just nonchalant like it's part of the conversation and you said how we get here We're, why are you talking about this all of a sudden i forget oh, what it was that he yeah, said yeah i forget what he's talking about I remember yeah that well, anyways moment, it turns out he he's the same um myers-briggs result yeah i'm not surprised at all he's the same as me and people have said that to me before where like somebody will say a couple words we'll be talking about geese or something random they'll go off talking about the, the the thing geese and my brain will say geese meese moose hunting rifles gunpowder fireworks that's all inside uh-huh and then i'll spit out like yeah you know how to make black powder i don't know something like that <laughs> and it's just in my mind it's like it's totally related to we were just talking about mm-hmm. geese and my mind just connected to this and then they're like what is what are you <laughs> you know and your roommate did that earlier and i think that's a thing that that my type does huh. since a lot of our um we internalize a lot of our uh, connections, and then we're we're kind of uh, it'll just come out mm-hmm. later on as something else, and we think it's totally like makes sense to bring it up. We don't even think we're bringing something up. Yeah, you know, it's part of the conversation. But in response to him, I said, "Why are you bringing that up now?" Yeah, yeah. you said that, and, and I heard that across the room, and I was like, "He did what I do all the time." <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting meeting uh, meeting other INTPs out there. I I from living with him, from being a friend of his for a while, and the the interactions I've had with you, I have I've told John before. I was like, you would like Jordan. You and Jordan are, I think, very similar. I've told him that. Did he? And it turns you? out you are. I don't know what he would have responded yeah. with. Yeah. But but anyways, on the way here, um, I I'm driving 1,100 miles, you know, on the on the interstate, and I'm thinking I'm going to be on this podcast, and I'm thinking about those quotes you post. Right? <laughs> and what sound biteable thing am I going to say? Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, 
because uh, I, I overthink things. I try to overanalyze it and and try to shape it before it happens sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which is not. I mean, the older I get, the more I learn that you really can't do that. Yeah, it it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't translate to reality well because as soon as you start interacting with an, another actual person who's yeah. independent of you, mm-hmm. your plans just well and go out the window. Plus, you try to fabricate something that that uh, like quotes quotes that are worth quoting. I don't feel like I don't feel like they were manufactured. Mm-hmm. They were kind of uh, spur of the moment. A lot of them, probably part of a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And you can't prefabricate part of a conversation mm-hmm. ahead of time, unless you're some kind of psychopath that can, you know, <laughs> analyze, understand what uh, you can imagine what the conversation is going to be before it happens. Uh-huh. There's some people with that gift, maybe, if they know the person well enough. But I'm, I'm thinking of the. What could I say that would it would fit inside one of those things real nice? I'll find something. <laughs> it's hard now. Like I, I the first few episodes I listened to all the way through mm-hmm. after recording because I was making sure they flowed well. I was making sure there wasn't anything that I needed to cut or, or there was a bathroom break that needed to be forwarded through or something. And I mean, now I don't do that because I, I kind of just look at it. And if I didn't, if there's no cuts in it, then it's good. Then I just, so I pick a start point and I pick an end point and that's all I do. And then to find the quote, I kind of just skim through. And when I see a spot where the guest is talking a lot, I kind of just listen to that for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, there's probably, I remember this, there's meat in here. Do they ever, do they ever, uh, at the end, I mean, I don't know if you, you're on number 17 now. This is 17. Yeah. yeah. So uh, up till now, has a guest you've had on here ever, ever said like, hey, there's a thing in there I said that would be good for that? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> yeah. no. No, I really like, <laughs> I really like, um, well. Do you listen to Joe Rogan? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. He, I listen. Not, not regularly. Yeah. It's hard to listen to him regularly unless you got a lot of time to just Well, now he's off of YouTube. Right. I don't have Spotify on my phone. Oh, okay. So. Well, he, he interviewed Kanye. Recently? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know when exactly it was. But, man, Kanye, I, I have a lot of respect for Kanye. Mm-hmm. I think he's a certain type of genius. And he just goes off, man. And there's one part in it then where he, like, he says something, and then he laughs, and he said, that's the only that might be the only sound biteable thing I've said this entire conversation. So he's he got a little meta. I mean, he's he's hyper aware yeah. of, of what he's up to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, maybe not all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyways, I I like to follow um, uh, one of my favorite artists out there is Reggie Watts. Okay. I don't know if you know much about Reggie I, Watts. I I know the name. And I also thought of Alan Watts when you said that, and I cycled through my memory and realized that Alan Watts is not the same person. Uh, no, Reggie Watts, he he uses uh, uh, one of those like little loop machines mm-hmm. where you know you can play something on a keyboard or sing it to a mic, and then loop it, and then add to it, and add to it, and add to it, and then he'll make a sound like a 
music scape on the spot at a at a concert, but it's like he's very musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he knows how to make stuff that sounds good, but um, he's also a comedian, and he's a really really he's a weirdo uh, with with some of the stuff he says. He likes to. He's got a voice that he can do that makes you really pay attention to what he's saying. Like he's he's saying something profound and like scholarly, right? And he knows that. So he speaks stuff that doesn't make any sense. He puts together sentences that don't lead anywhere to mess with you. I like that. His because he's got the he's got the voice that's like pay attention. Uh-huh. This is going to be something profound. And then he just utters hogwash. Like and you you can follow it up to a certain point and then you get lost. And you're like <laughs> what is this? And it goes nowhere. That's like a certain type of poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, because the some Lewis Carroll poems. The, he wrote Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, it could be that. Like the Jabberwocky. Well, he gets, yeah. And he, he'll articulate some stuff from the subconscious where like kind of makes sense for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, he's onto something here. And then, and then he goes off and and you're like, well, he didn't mean any of that. That didn't mean anything. Uh, So I was trying to think of a quote for your, uh, for your Instagram. Um, and I wanted to be inspired by Reggie Watts. I wanted to say something here in the middle of this conversation and then encourage you to put it on there. And it, it just leads nowhere. We could, I could just put that right there. <laughs> it, just doesn't, it, it just doesn't mean anything or lead anywhere. But, but it would be worded in such a way where it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Taking this to heart. Don't know what that means. You never know what might end up on there. It very easily could. There have been a couple times recently where I do send it to the interviewee Mm -hmm. before posting and say, how does this work for a quote? Is this okay? Because I don't want it to lead. I don't want them to think, ah, this doesn't make me look the way I think I am. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to see me the way that this quote makes me seem. I don't want my guests to think that. Interesting. So a couple times... So far, I've I've asked, but I mean, if you're consenting to be on this podcast, you're kind of consenting to putting your voice out for anybody to listen to, anyway. Yeah, there's a lot more context though than just little little quote on Instagram, you know. Right. I want it to be something that makes people want to listen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm into I'm into so many things though, and I try to think about what, you know, like I was saying, I like try to imagine what this conversation would be like, and uh, you know, what's the focus of it going to be? I I man, I still don't know. I mean, we've been talking for thirty five minutes. What have we talked about so far? Uh, Trucks. Not really anything. Camp campers. We've How'd you about- get out here? This is what now. Here's here's a question I have. Okay, where did this whole road tripping across the country and living out of your vehicles thing start? Uh, well, we've done this before. 
we we moved into a camper five years ago. Actually, we were talking about this on the way here. How much has happened in the last five years of our lives? It's been pretty action packed. Yeah, in the last five years, we have bought our first four wheel drive truck, coming from only having owned sedans before that. Bought a truck, learned how to weld, bought a camper for it, put them together, fabricated a flatbed for the truck. Moved into that, moved out of the apartment. Traveled across the country in that twice. After the second trip, I was inspired by a friend to buy a motorcycle. I bought a motorcycle, got a license, and three months after that, I owned three motorcycles already because they're cheap. Mm-hmm. You can find deals, and it's like it's not like a car. No. It's like buying a big bicycle. It's mm-hmm. like, what's well, only a couple hundred bucks? Oh, let's get another one. Yeah. And uh, then the cost of ownership, just keeping it, you hardly spend anything. Yeah. It I bought my insurance for the year on my bike was 90 bucks. Yeah. And then it, uh, you can store them in little sheds. That, you know, if you know somebody with a shed, I mean, you can ask them. They probably let you park your bike in there. Or you could just park it in there and they wouldn't even know. Because it's little. It's or you can just shed. park it at the back end of a parking spot yeah. and just leave it right. there and right. park your car in front of it every day. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we did the, the bought our first truck, bought our first camper, moved into the camper, lived out of that for about a year and a half. In the meantime, got the motorcycle license. This is my wife and I doing this. She got her license too. She's sitting right over there. She's right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So we you both probably got, won't hear anything from her. Yeah. <laughs> we both got our license, and that's my first experience ever riding a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. was in November of 2017, and I loved it so much that in February of the next year, like three months later, I decided to take off on a cross-country trip on the motorcycle with my wife on one bike. I mean, we were two up. So, Kudos to you, Anila, for... Being able to do that. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it wasn't a cruiser either. It, no. this is, it was a, it was a An 650, bike. yeah, 650 single cylinder, which is like a big dirt bike. So we took that out to the Pacific for three months. KLR, right? Yeah, KLR. And then stopped here on the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Where was are we at? We're summertime? At, we started in the winter. Started in... February started in left in the middle of March. No March. The day we left was twenty eight degrees and sleeting. It was definitely warm when you showed up at oh, my yeah. place. It was June. Okay. Yeah, so we left in March in the sleet, twenty eight degrees, and then we part of the way back we traveled through I think for about two or three days straight, going through Kansas it was in the hundreds. Like right right around a hundred, hundred and one. Wow. And then down to like 85 at night with high humidity and we tent camped the whole way too yeah so what are we at we're at the two-year mark of that last five years right so then we did we had the camper right two trips with that three years bike yeah just since you visited last uh we moved back in the camper when we got home and then it started leaking real bad so i sketched up 
one I'm going to build. This is going to be the best camper ever. I'm going to build this thing. It's going to take two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you told yourself originally? I think I told, we started to build it and I, we parked a camper somewhere and I said, it'll be here for two weeks. <laughs> uh, so we start building this new camper from scratch and we, um, we realize we need to supplement. It's going to cost a little bit for some stuff. So we need to supplement our wedding photography with something else. So we had this hookup at a bed and breakfast. We were f- filling in um, as the innkeepers there. And the innkeepers decided to leave. So we said, well, we'll do it for a year. We didn't tell them a year. We just said, we'll do it. Uh, so we got in there, and that's a full-time, like 24-7, 365 thing mm-hmm. uh so we did that starting in 2019 we got to the end of 2019 and we said well that went that went pretty well we'll do it another year i guess and that was 2020 and then 2020 was 2020 was kind of a weird year mm-hmm. uh for anyone in a lot of industries but we're in the event industry and the yeah. hospitality industry. Uh-huh. So I ended up working all kinds of different jobs. Um, and so by now, we're getting to like late 2020. I'm completely exhausted. We do nothing but work. And when we're not working, we, we're still building this camper that's going to take two weeks back in 2018. Uh so at the end of 2020, we tell the owners that we're going to quit, and that was in about the middle of March, this past March, a month ago. We left there, having not had a break in, you know, over two years. No break, no vacation, no, can't even hardly get away for an evening, go do anything. So this this trip drove 1,100 miles to get here, and we're headed further west to explore a little bit and, you know, bury the cell phone in a hole somewhere, throw it down a well. If only. Yeah. No, but that that's what that's how we got here. I guess. I left out a lot of details. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I guess what the way you answered it though was to so for some people. It might be, well, I've had this dream of living in a vehicle for a long time. Yeah. I finally realized it. For you, it seems like you're pretty spontaneous, but when you get on something, you're dedicated to doing it. Right. And one thing led to another, and right. they just kind of rolled right into each other, and you being adventurous and seemingly very capable of picking up new skills, it's just... just worked out the way it did yeah it it um i'll admit it's very hard for me to get motivation to start a task very hard okay once i get into the task i don't want to i don't want to stop till it's done whether that means whether that means i mean i've pulled two i've pulled two consecutive all-nighters before working on this camper and I don't mean like stayed up all night two nights in a row. I mean stayed up all night, all day, all night, part of the next day to get something done. And 
but this is different when it's a big scope of a project. I have a really hard time finishing something that I can't finish in a day mm-hmm. or in a, in a single session. Uh, and that this was not that. This was like repeated, going back to this place, working on this thing over and over and over again for years. You and John can probably relate on that too. Is he? That's why that motorcycle is still sitting there. I've got the stuff pieces. like that. <laughs> and the camper sat for about nine months while we worked at the, at the yeah. bed and breakfast. Uh-huh. Uh, I just had too much going on, didn't mess with it. But, yeah. So, yeah, I've had this dream going on the road in the camper. And uh, lo and behold, we finished the thing. And then, but we're not here in it. We're here in a car. Yep. It's a good car. <laughs> What's I, that? I, it's a good car. It, it, so far, it's a good car. I, I mean, I don't know about that one specifically, but I love that. I love that year of the Forester. Mm-hmm. And that's the XT, which was their highest performance model, I think. It's not the Turbo. It's not the Turbo? No. Okay, so maybe they had an XT and then an XT with a Turbo. Because the XT was the the higher end one okay yeah i think the there might be another one with a turbo but yeah i mean it it performs fine yeah but um yeah turbo turbo would be nice Mm -hmm. that's what i'd like probably to put in the rodeo at some point oh because it's not a high powered what'd you put put a subaru engine in there no, no, I just mean just put a, to put a turbo. turbo. Yeah, a, a turbo, turbo or a twin turbo or supercharger or something to just give it a little more kick. Because I'm used to, as far as 4x4s go, my Cherokee XJ, which has a 4-liter inline 6. Right. And this has a little 3.1-liter V6, little Chevy motor. Chevy motor. Mm-hmm. And it just does not have the same kind of power that the straight six from the jeep did mm-hmm. um it may be that the thing's also just not in as good shape maybe i I don't think so though that thing's kind of been babied i bought it with one hundred and thirty-eight thousand miles on it it's That's... not it's a 92 wow it's low miles pretty sure i'm the second owner i'm i'm happy with it but the motor is, is a little lacking so i would love to get it back to like new condition and then get one, get a better performing exhaust, give it a little bit more airflow, mm-hmm. and then maybe put a, a supercharger or something in there. You need to do some head work. Yeah. Or you blow the head off. I would pay someone to do that yeah. work. I, ha- I do know a guy who rebuilds troopers. Mm-hmm. He's had close to 20 of them, I think. So he's familiar with all the Suzus. Mm-hmm. And I... If he'd be willing, I think I'd, if when I got to a place where I financially could do so, I'd just take it to him and tell him to restore it for me. Now. Because I'm not like you. I have a photo. I'm not good at working on stuff and figuring it out. You know what's funny is I did not grow up doing any of that. And a lot of people that I meet locally, like, so I built the whole thing in this, uh, in this wood shop where mm-hmm. you know it's a business um and i bump into the workers there because I'm, I'm good friends with the owner I'm, I'm there all the time working i bump into the workers they all know who i am and they assume it's interesting the guy assumed the other day he's like you you grew up uh 
you grew up riding dirt bikes, didn't you? Right? Like, he just assumed I did. I was like, no, not till I was 27. Never rode a motorcycle. And uh, same goes for mechanic work and all this welding and stuff. I didn't do any of that till I was, like, 24, 23, 24. Uh, like, my dad, he didn't even change his own oil. After a certain year, he quit because he kept having... He could never get the oil filter off. <laughs> Uh, That's because he's paying somebody to do his oil. He pays do it, and they, put, they tighten it on too yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, he, he had a little trouble with that, so he quit changing his own oil. At this point, too, I mean, I enjoy the process, yeah. but the price these days, like, yeah. I don't trust mechanic shops Yeah, doing anything because they do it. They're in a hurry all the time. Yeah. And when you're in a hurry, you make mistakes. But uh, – so anyways, he, he, my dad didn't do any of that stuff. He, he did, he has other skills, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he just didn't mess with cars and, uh, and building and stuff like that. Um, so all that kind of bloomed like in, in my early twenties. Huh. And, uh, that's interesting. And the, and then the motorcycle stuff a little later, like later twenties. I'm almost the reverse. Really? Cause my dad is super mechanical. Yeah. Just take apart and repair anything. Never bought anything new because mm-hmm. he would just fix everything. We had the same toaster in our house. Like the my entire my entire right. life. He's no, he doesn't use it anymore. I think I think my sister got him a toaster for Christmas or something. Did Did somebody else get it then? Did one of your Probably. siblings have it? I'm sure it was perfectly functioning. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody. Yeah, my dad is that way. He he's he worked as a machine repairman for a while and diesel truck mechanic and different types of mechanics mm-hmm. and just everything that you do with your hands. He helped build custom homes and all that kind of stuff. Super handy. And and it's interesting you didn't have that from your dad and you picked it up and started doing all this stuff in your 20s. Right. My dad did all that stuff and I'm getting older and realizing I don't enjoy did you Doing do it. some of it growing up? A little bit. Yeah. Just helping him with stuff. So Specifically, I'm thinking of working on my vehicle. Right. If I can work on a vehicle leisurely, like if I don't need it, then I'm okay. Yeah. But having a vehicle, just one vehicle, mm-hmm. something happens, I have to fix this so I can go to work tomorrow. Right. I don't perform well in that scenario. Right. And that's usually where I find myself. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I I actually think that makes more sense than you think. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Explain. My dad's dad, my grandfather, he's like that. The generational pendulum. Yeah. So he he can fix anything. I mean, and, and, and what impresses me about that is uh, this is before the days of the internet. Uh-huh. Right, he just fix. It's intuitive. Like thing comes apart, he takes it. And thing breaks, he takes it apart and fixes it. Yeah, and I like, wish I was that way. I'm like, I can do that, but uh, I'm gonna go watch some videos about it first and read some write ups. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting to the point now where I can just take apart a new thing. Yeah, and uh, learning new skills, figure out what it is without without watching, any, supplementing with any. Yeah, yeah, you do get there. Because, I mean, I, I yeah. have a friend. He took. You're not listening, but hello. I I doubt he... No, no. He does. He said he wants to listen to this. He just wants to dedicate time where he can actually listen. 
so he hasn't found it yet. But Tuck is someone I trust to work on anything mechanical, do anything mm-hmm. that you do with your hands because he just knows what he's doing. And I realized something in 2019 when I was having car trouble and he was helping me with stuff. I remember realizing this and looking at him and I'm like, now I know. I know why you're good at this stuff because everything that can go wrong with your car has happened to you and you've See, had to fix it. I haven't had that. Well, that's what happened. That's how he's learned. And I, that's, I mean, that's how I've learned too. So now I know how to diagnose well, fuel issues and fix wrong. that. Yeah. I know how to, I know how to do a few things because I've come to a place where I had to, I didn't have a choice and I learned that way. And right. by the end of it, I'm pretty I'm reasonably good at it. Like I can do it again yeah. now. Have, have, do you do have you done brake pads your own brake pads yeah so that's a good example of this the first time i did a, when i did brake pads for the first time the one wheel first wheel took a long time i think it took me two hours for the one wheel and then the other wheel took about 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then the next time i did it each one took like 15 yeah, and then the third time I did it, I think we were pulled over at a gas station on the side of the road, and uh, it was you know it's like we'll work on the brake pads and then replace those for a quick stop and then continue on and drive another thousand miles. Yeah, <laughs> where like before it was like that was the big event of the day was the brake pads, and then I'd worry about it for a month after if I did it right. Um, yeah, so it gets. And that's a basic thing, though. I mean, the the things you're talking about knowing, there's some basic things you should know, mm-hmm. even if you don't work on vehicles. And so you do you think this, though, do you think you have just kind of natural aptitude for picking these things up? Because it seems like you do learn pretty fast. Uh, there, the, it's a more, there's a more detailed explanation than that, even, I think. Uh I think I have a natural curiosity uh-huh. to figure something out. Uh, when somebody sees me pick up something quickly, from their perspective, as far as like number of ticks of a clock that have passed from when I didn't know it to when I did know it, it seems quick. What they don't see is that entire time, somehow I got really obsessed with it. And I didn't sleep. And I spent all my time. And so, like, I don't consider myself a fast learner. I consider myself a person who gets obsessed with something and then dedicates a lot of time to it out of the day over a short period of time. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's quotable. Yeah. So I I don't I don't – I've met people who pick things up really quickly, and I envy Uh them because they get to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> and like I'm a slow learner but when I get it I get it I Man, just I have to get I guess really that, obsessed with it that's encouraging to me because I consider myself a slow learner but when I get it I get it yeah and and I do pretty well with it and I don't know if other people look at me and think I'm a slow learner but yeah like like a quick learner but it's all relative though and that's that's what's encouraging to me yeah I mean I, I don't think of myself as a quick person I don't, I don't think my mind is fast. It's very slow. But I just have to dedicate lots of time to stuff. And then 
compared to a normal person that doesn't get that upset. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it, other people get obsessed with yeah, other what things. Yeah, what is a normal but, person? But compared to like a person who doesn't try to learn a bunch of new skills, uh, you know, they'll see me learn something quote quickly. You know, over the course of a week, and it's like, how'd you learn that in a week? That usually takes a month. It's like, well, I compressed a month into a week, pretty much. Like, so it's still, it, I mean, it may have even taken me more than a month within that week. Uh-huh. There's a Reggie Watts quote. <laughs> <laughs> it takes, I spent many months on this, this thing this week. There's a, uh, I, I haven't listened to him, so I can't say, I think it might be, I think I've maybe seen some of this stuff come up because there's an artist goes by French Kiwi Juice or FKJ hmm. that when you were describing Reggie Watts and how he comes up with stuff and how musical he is, he made me think of this guy. I'll put something on from him later. Okay. Um, I discovered him because he came up in my YouTube feed as a suggested video. It was 20 minutes long, 20, 20 odd minutes. And it's takes, it's in his studio space or his living space or something. That's like the size of, that whole area out there and it looks like it's full of plants and musical equipment and large windows with lots of natural light coming in and outside the windows is lots of greenery more trees and more plants Mm -hmm. it's beautiful and he has a stereo setup that's minimal but focused and he comes in and he sits down at his piano and he does something I don't know. I think he starts by clapping and he presses something and he loops it. And so the mm-hmm. clapping is playing. Right. And then he starts playing the piano to that loop. And he does all these different things. He starts singing. He stops that and he picks up his saxophone. And he starts playing the saxophone. And it's 20 minutes of him. That's getting more popular now. It's beautiful. Uh, is he on, he's on YouTube? He's on YouTube and he's on major screen platforms and everything. Yeah, there's a guy named Mark something. Mark starts with an R. Zuckerberg? No. Mark Reblet or something like that. Ruffalo? I don't think it's that. No, that's an, that's an actor. This. But uh, this guy does that. Same thing, same exact thing for like 20 minutes long. It does a bunch of loops. Yeah. <clears throat> He's like super, super, super profane though <laughs> the whole time. And he doesn't he, – lately he's been doing more and more of them in his underwear. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's a real – he's another weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, – his his stuff's been blowing up lately. Like as far as his viewership's been going up. Okay. So I, I think that kind of thing is getting it's catching. Like Reggie Watts was doing this. Um. Nine ten like twenty eleven. Maybe that area. Maybe a little beyond that. So he's kind of like a little earlier, but there are more of them now, doing the same kind of mm-hmm. thing with yeah. the loop. With the loop. Maybe, I don't even know what the genre is called. But yeah. they all kind of I mean, they, are similar they, uh, artists. They, they beatbox. I know that a lot of them, a lot of them beatbox to, to um, lay a foundation. I don't know if I've heard a lot of that in the ones I'm. Well, Reggie I'm Watts does it. He okay. beatboxes. Yeah, but I think maybe that stuff's just getting more obtainable, like and more more well known. The, the 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 devices that do that. Niche musicians are also more discoverable now. Okay. All the stuff you're listening, all the stuff people are consuming online. 
that you just stumble upon these things and then right. you hear about it from all your friends and everybody on social media is posting about it. now sometimes the uh, sometimes the holy algorithm brings you mm-hmm. it pairs you up with something and a lot of the time i'm finding it pairs me up with stuff that actually is pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. you're like thanks algorithm yeah because that's its goal it's figure out what what is this yeah. guy like right what can we show him that he actually will click on yeah i really hate it but it's awesome yeah, it's incredible. It's yeah. it might be scary if we could look at it backwards from two hundred years in the future, but the thing I hate about it is the stuff the stuff that you and I like to share. Um, we're kind of in the past. It might have been. It was more. Um, who was the most recent one to post? And you'd see it. Mm-hmm. Now that it's much more specialized, will the algorithm ever honor us? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it will. I mean, I don't know. It's I, never honored me it, in the last five years since it switched everything up. It, it may sound self-serving or something. I think you and I are both really good photographers. I love your work. I recommend you to people. I don't know what it is that gets people to a point where now the algorithm is putting them in front of people. Quantity, um, quantity plays a part, I think, is one of the factors. It can, but there's other things, yeah. too. Like, do you know who Matt Day is? Do you follow him? You've sent me some links of his. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he did that, those videos on scanning yeah. scanning film with mm-hmm. his camera. He posts the, the huge, the vast majority of what he posts is just the photos he likes to take of his family on his Leica, just black and white. And I don't think the average Instagram user... It, like recognizes how good he is as a photographer somehow he built up a really big fan base around mm-hmm. that and part of it was consistency in his use of youtube and he was he became a destination for film photographers of all levels um right so a lot of people knew him because of that and then he becomes involved in the film community a little yeah. bit more in recent years cuz he never really he didn't really leave Ohio he didn't go around much mm-hmm. was it Ohio Iowa Ohio He's from Ohio Chillicothe Ohio your mouth almost moves the same way yeah, to say I know. both of those yeah. words yeah that's why i get it mixed up and now he's with half a founders down yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly <laughs> i'm enjoying this a lot yeah. more no, I, I end up on his videos. I think I think he's got a couple about printmaking. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched anything from him recently because I haven't honestly been on YouTube much at all. I haven't either. Yeah, Not that's lately. great. I had to get off there. The, the, um, the political climate and all that, political blending with social issues and things, I, I have to – I got to stay away from that. It's, yeah. It can be very toxic. I don't like. Uh, I was about to say that word, and I don't like to use that word. I think it's overused. But I was. It about is to, I was about to say that word. But I don't overuse it. Yeah. So when I say it, I mean it. Yeah, I, I was about to say that it's it's toxic. It's it's, it's poisonous. Yeah. My policy, if if I could call it that, is if the information or the content I'm taking in doesn't help me to be better or doesn't help me to love people around me better. It's not actually that valuable. I don't really give a crap about so-called staying informed. Mm -hmm. If you're still just a jerk and you don't treat the people around you well, I don't care how informed you are. And for me personally, since I don't see generally 
being more informed as a sign that this person is more put together, they're living a better life, and the people around them appreciate them more. I don't have a reason to seek out those kinds of things. Right. So my level of informed is pretty low. Now, you want to, anybody wants to sit down with me and have a conversation with me, even about something I don't know anything about, I'm going to think really hard about it. Yeah. I'm going to give you good answers because I'm not just repeating what someone else has told me. I'm thinking about it. Right. And I think we need more people thinking about things and less consuming other people's thoughts, probably. Yeah. And then vomiting out those thoughts. There's multiple levels of that, too. There's Because when you, when you consume someone else's thoughts about a thing, and then that becomes your own thoughts, uh, where did their thoughts come from? Did mm-hmm. they just listen to somebody else? Yeah. Someone else? Like, where's the, where's the origin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's It gets to be... It gets to be just like a, a, it's a mirage yeah. that was invented by the hive mind. <laughs> yeah, you don't really know where one person ends and another begins. We're all kind of, I mean, we're all product of our environment. We're all, you know, if I say something and it comes off as intelligent or wise or something, it's all stuff I've learned from other people. You know, there's nothing right. new under the sun. Nobody's original. No. Steve Jobs said the best inventors are thieves. <laughs> They're those who steal steal inventions great, great from other artists, people. Great artists steal. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's that's where I struggle with the with the social media um, and trying to share stuff that people will like. Uh huh. There are there are trends out there that will get you a whole ton of views and the algorithm favors that. And I see it and I get really bored mm-hmm. because it's copy paste. And I understand I'm influenced by all kinds of sources. Uh, but I try to think about each thing I'm going to post, not just a post, I try to think about each thing I'm going to create. And do my best to come up with something original, even if it isn't. Nothing's entirely original, but uh, yeah, it's like, uh, is it art? Is it art really? If you just follow a trend and copy a thing, and you found it on Pinterest and it said, "Fill your bathtub up with milk." And do a photo shoot of a thing in the milk, in the milk bath. You know what I mean? Like, is that art? I don't know. Yeah, I don't it know. It could be, but like it's... It, it could be. It doesn't... It, you uh, can be doing the same action. Yeah. But your mind and your heart behind it are different and your vision becomes different in the process. Yeah. And because of that, you... I mean, you see everything through your own eyes. So, yeah, the line between yeah. copying and yeah. creating is really blurry i think a yeah. lot of the time but it, in to, the case I of a lot personally of... it wouldn't feel like art if i did it because i would know mm-hmm. like i found yeah. this on pinterest and you know somebody said do this and it'll look good well there's no like there's no real exploration there 
Someone said it would look good. You saw it already. You know, here's how you do it. Here's the tutorial, step by step. If you follow that tutorial, it's going to be very similar to the thing you saw. Or did worse. you ever <laughs> did you ever see these things? Oh, it's a gadget that was advertised on Instagram. It plugs into the hot shoe on your your, your camera. And it connects to the internet somehow. And what it does is it analyzes Instagram and all these images and uses that feed to make a decision as a computer about what a good photo is. And then it takes control of your camera and based on that information, it creates the image for you. It moves it. It moves, the, the it scene, moves the camera or... and it changes all your settings. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. And I remember seeing that for the first time and thinking, man, this is horrible. Cause that's driven by an algorithm. You're, and you're not making an image I'm at saying that point. it's it's looking at the algorithm it is it's looking and, at the algorithm and it's, it's and it's doing all the, it's doing all the thinking for you that's the algorithm then yeah it's an extension of the algorithm you're not taking a photo yeah <laughs> I have had a heavy beer <laughs> yeah though <laughs> uh, well, i had I had one of these last night yeah and i had i mean I had also just driven overnight oh so you were sleepy. I was real sleepy. I'll probably sleep well. This is like having two beers. Do you sleep well if you've had alcohol? We like I sleep really well until till four a.m. Yeah, real well. I have dreams and everything mm-hmm. till four. And is it always four? It could be four or five or six. Okay, but uh, and I don't wake up at six usually. If I do after after, and it can be after one or two beers. It's not like I got drunk or anything. Yeah, uh, but. Um, It'd be really good sleep. It's really easy to go to sleep. Yes. I struggle with going to sleep. It's hard to shut my mind down. My my mm-hmm. energy level just goes up and up and up and up and up throughout the day. Yeah. And then I crash eventually. But even then, sometimes I struggle to fall asleep. But I've had a drink. I can fall asleep. But then I wake up. Yeah. that's you know, That's de- been my experience, too, uh, with alcohol, typically. There was a period when... Almost every day, I'd work and I'd come home, and the last hour before bed, I would put music on and I'd open a beer, and I would just sit on my couch in my old apartment in Fayetteville. I would just sit on that couch right. and just listen to music and drink my that, beer. That is that's... almost every single night. So, and I noticed a trend though that it would make me sleepy the next and day, and I would fall asleep easily. But I would wake up. There came a time when I would wake up very consistently and between about midnight and 2 a.m. every time. Well, that makes sense. You, your sleep schedule is a little earlier than mine. So it's probably very similar. Like mine is like, I usually fall asleep by like 1 or 2. So when I say I wake up between 4 and 6, that could okay, be. Yeah, that could 2 be. to 3 hours of good sleep yeah. or quick sleep. Yeah. And then it wakes you up. And, and you can probably circumvent that, though, too, with just get, drinking a lot of water, too. Right. Making sure your body's adequately hydrated well, before going to sleep. My problem is uh, I have I have some kind of an allergy to something that's in most alcohol. It's not every drink that does it, but I've experienced it with 
lot of different beers, um, a lot of different wines, and then some whiskeys too, uh, some some like harder drinks. And I wake up with a stuffy nose, hmm. you know, like you know, like allergy season. Uh, I'm gonna have and, to pay more attention to that now. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of the time, just that's just a morning thing for me. Just wake up, kind of stuffy nose. I don't wake up like that unless I've had. Um, what will do it to me? I feel like I got a stuffy nose now. Yeah, I got a little one last night <laughs> from this. Uh, but yeah, like I really like Guinness. Uh-huh. And if I have if I have two Guinnesses, which I mean, a lot of people wouldn't even consider that excessive, like two two beers. Yeah. Um, it, it'll wreck me for the next day, and it's not a hangover. Really? You don't get a hangover from two beers. <laughs> it's a, it's an allergy, huh? And it it just wrecks my, my um, sinuses and my stomach, the next day. Wow, yeah. So it's, I got to balance that. I I mean I I really think that's a that's a good thing that I have that, going on. Yeah, because it keeps me from overdoing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that those repercussions are so if i have too many it can be so severe that i won't you know the whole next day is wasted yeah you you and you learn from it rather than right. saying you're gonna yeah keep going yeah i mean every every now and then you know yeah every now and then it's like oh oops you know one too many i did but, that uh, recently yeah it was it was a good experience i had um I had planned on the whole week. The whole weekend was kind of spontaneous because my younger brother, Hayun, um, came and visited pretty pretty spontaneously. And Saturday evening, David came over, who's the neighbor. He's he's a friend, like outside of that, but he moved into this apartment complex recently. So he's a neighbor. He came over with another friend, Daniel, and we all, me and, oh, and David's brother, so me, David, his brother Joe, Daniel, and my brother Aaron, we're just hanging out. Daniel showed up with a box of groceries of, like, carrots and hummus and bread and cheese, and we all just kind of snacked on that, and I made some quinoa and had more hummus, and we all ate carrots and hummus and chocolate and drank um drank some rum because david brought over a bottle of rum Mm -hmm. and a couple i had a couple beers too yeah and then it's like 10 30 11 o'clock and we've been talking for a while and the guys are like you want to go to the cigar lounge And I'm like, man, I wanted to go there for a while. I haven't, I hadn't actually lounged there before. I've been in there because I brought my brother, my brother a pipe. But I hadn't, I hadn't been in there to lounge. At this point, I was already like two beers and a bottle, a glass of rum in, which is a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I weigh 125 pounds. I'm right. not a big guy. And I was like, you know, this doesn't happen that often. I should just go enjoy it. So I went out with them and was already already felt the alcohol and then I had a cigar and I've never smoked anything in my life. I've heard I've never had a cigar and I've heard 
from a close friend of mine. He said, I don't understand how you're allowed to drive after this. So he had a cigar. I, I think I it, it was that he I think it probably affects you similar to alcohol. On the first time, probably it, more than the rest. Yeah, right? probably. And like I said, I had already had more to drink than I usually drink. Mm-hmm. I usually stop at one beer. Yeah. I had two beers and a glass of rum. So I was further along than I ever am. Your tolerance is low, too. My tolerance is low, and I, my body just can't handle a lot of it as is. And I'm sitting in there huffing on that cigar because I, I couldn't get it to stay lit. And so I was <laughs> I was overdoing it, trying to get it to stay lit. And um, Aaron and David are playing a game of chess and smoking cigars. And next to them are Joe and Joe and and Daniel, and they're smoking their pipes and playing chess. And I'm sitting there with my half cigar, just kind of out of it, just looking at them and realizing how beautiful a scene this is and how I wish I had a camera on me. It's kind of nostalgic. Oh, it's that lounge. It's called Open Door Cigars, and it's so cool. But, I mean, you're you're watching. You're in a smoke-filled room, you know, some some drinks and you're watching people do things that people don't really do it i mean there are people who do it but yeah, i mean in the past it might be more common sit around people. playing chess yeah or 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 whatever like or just card games card games uh, or, just uh, chatting smoking stuff like that i got into a i got into a um a group that would do that locally we would we would go up <clears throat> one of the uh one of the one of the friends of the owner of this place I built my my camper at. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got this cabin way up in the mountains. It's it's actually at the end of the mountain road, so it takes it takes like twenty minutes to get there from the town that the address for the cabin is. It's like twenty minutes up into the mountains, mm. which in Virginia, uh, I mean that's at the top of the mountain, um, at the border of the Shenandoah National Park. Okay. And so we we go up there like every week, and in this little cabin, and we would drink, like, not I mean, no one got drunk up mm-hmm. there. It's just we'd sip on a drink mm-hmm. and play poker, and uh, and every now and then you'd have you'd have someone who'd show up who's a smoker, and it, they'd let them smoke in there. So it kind of felt like the old days, like yeah, we're up here in a cabin. There's no cell signal up there either. Mm-hmm. Sounds, sounds like a dream. Yeah, no one's got their phones out. Uh, there's a guy over there smoking indoors, so there's smoke in the room. It's not so much that it really, really bothers you. Like if everybody smoked, I don't think I could do it. Uh-huh. But uh, we're up there playing poker and sipping on drinks, and there's a little bit of smoke, and there's no cell phones, and uh, we're actually gambling with uh, coins, just like quarters. And we did that for a while, and it, it really, that was a good source of de-stress. Yeah, compared I to Compared to what I did. Uh, at the end, I'd leave the phone, you know, my wife would answer the phones when I'm up there. And it's kind of like a couple hours, get away from it. Mm-hmm. Do, do something that feels like an antique thing. Yeah. Uh, there's... There's not enough of it. I love those things. For me, like I'm much quicker to, before engaging in some sort of political argument or something, or 
just spouting off all these opinions about stuff and I just bump that thing up yeah a that's couple fine times. it doesn't matter well it uh oh yeah it'll show up but if I i'm mean, not actively talking you can fix that right i can but i probably won't okay yeah i'm not that worried about it yeah but uh Man, I, rather than engaging in that kind of thing that's probably not going to go anywhere, I'd much rather tell somebody just like, yeah, but have you been out in the woods recently and just kind of walked around? The, I haven't. The birds, the birds still sing what they've been singing for a long time. I haven't been. And you know what? I quit a job during the pandemic in order to do that. Yeah. I, I quit a job. This is the only job I've ever had that was like... You know, paid you know, more than in combination with my other jobs. I was just over the line. I was getting the lower end of middle class income there. And like that was the that job at the bed and breakfast was the bulk of the income that put us over the edge. Mm-hmm. And I quit that because I needed to get out. Yeah. And need to get get out, get off the internet. Walk around. I see photos from the past that I've posted of like my bike in the eighty miles from the nearest pavement. And uh, I look at the hill behind me, I'm like I was, you know, I'm at the bed and breakfast at this point, looking back at, at the past, and I'm like, I wish I could just walk up that hill right now. I don't even know what's up there. There's probably nothing up there. Wish I could just walk up that hill. I don't know why. It's it's probably just to get. It's, there's nothing up there that's gonna stress me out. <laughs> it's freedom. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I guess. It's yeah freedom of control of the movement of where your body is (laughs) yeah it's beautiful but i described that experience it was great it was great i'm glad i did it Mm -hmm. Uh, but towards the end because i'm I'm a kind of guy that likes to just do that walk up hills and stuff uh i started to describe it like i felt like a dog that's been chained to the tree for too long because there's I mean, everybody knows about that. He's got this people that get a pet and they chain them to a tree. You've seen dog chained to a tree for like its entire life. I don't know if I have, honestly. Really? But, but I, I can imagine. It's really sad. I mean, he's got a, you know, 20 foot radius. And you can see the line where the dog's been walking around mm-hmm. the radius, pacing the edge and he can't go beyond that line. He gets to the end of the rope. And that's his entire sphere. And uh, that's kind of how that kind of job is. You're, you're kind of tethered to the place. A lot of people live that way and they have no idea. Right. I mean, I'm in an industry where that's the bulk of the people I work with. I'm in banking. Like right. The people, it's a, it's a cushy job. Like, it's a good gig. If that's all you want. Right. It's great. There's room to move up. Like, I could be... The my assistant manager right now, my boss, who's the assistant manager of the branch, has only worked for the company for three years. I just another one of my coworkers just got a promotion to that so same what, position. What's the baggage that comes with that? The baggage is 
45 hours of every week for the next 25 years is spent in this boring building typing numbers on a screen. Any of them going to listen to this? No, probably not. <laughs> but they're welcome to. Like, I no. have no, like, there's no disrespect meant by any of it. There's no condemnation of people's choices or what they're comfortable with. I just, I've, I could, I could never be happy. Let me add something to my. If I, the man that I am now couldn't be happy submitting to that being the rest of my life, at yeah. least without trying other things. I'm going to add to my metaphor to make it make more sense. The dog? The dog chained to the tree. Okay. You're a dog chained to a tree, and then right around the tree are a bunch of steaks, like ribeye steaks. Right? That's what it is. You're chained to a tree, and like steaks, they're good. Steaks are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like all you can eat steak. That's not what the bed and breakfast was, but you know, it was, it was cushy as far as, you know, there's always nice breakfast there. It's a place to live. Yep. It's a place to do. Um, I mean, I did some art projects while I was there. I had a dark room in the basement. And, uh, but like you cannot leave these bounds, even on the weekends, even on the evenings. Even at night, anytime, you're kind of you can go get groceries for the end. <laughs> you can uh, you can go to a family get together if you prearrange ahead of time, and you answer the phone on your on your cell phone while you're there. So like it's you you don't ever leave, but there's it's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's uh, but like you want more than that. Yeah, it, it it's like comfort at the expense of uh variety yeah or adventure which is really overused another overused word it is i think but just change i'm so fond at at this stage of my life the ordinary experiences yeah you don't have those i mean Mm -hmm. you you kind of do with some of the guests that come through yeah but uh you don't you don't get to go seek things and discover things yeah um, I mean, I, and, and most people do uh, experience that kind of setup when they get into a nine to five. You, know, you have the weekends, I guess. Not always, but you can't get very far away on the weekend before you got to turn around and come back. You know. And if I had ex- so the problem with a nine to five that I'm seeing is that the vast majority of everybody I've worked with in this kind of situation is that way. They live for the weekend because that's all they've got. Yeah. They're on that tether and they're choosing it. And I don't like, again, for me, it's not about that. The thing is bad. You know, if I was in a different stage, maybe if I was, I had a family and a wife and I was able to continue doing the things I like doing and I go to work 40 hours a week, maybe maybe I'd feel differently about it. But I would want to ask the question anyway of, can I pursue something different? Rather than just assuming, well, this is safety and this is comfort, so and, I'm, and I'm yeah, going to stay here. Certain people 
that's what they want. Yeah. Is safety, consistency, security. They want to know what's coming. And I guess that's the answer. Right. I'm kind of like that in some ways, but in some ways, but, but I got to flip flop. I, yeah. I mean, it's like, all right, this is safe for now. It's too much safety. is just really yeah, boring. Yeah, this, is, this is very safe. I'm going to stay in this safe place here. While I accomplish something else. Uh, and I'm going to plan for the next non-safe thing I'm going to do. Yeah. And when I get out of here, it's going to be it's going to be a little chaotic. For anyone listening who is a seeker of safety and and like I'm not bashing on you. I just I really I would love everyone to get to experience the kind of freedom and beauty that life has to offer outside of a 9 to 5 job. It it just makes me sad to think that there are lots of people in this country at least probably plenty of other places but this is the only country i've lived in there are lots of people who grow up and come to believe that their only choice of how to live life is go to school get a full-time job do that job once they figure out what the thing is get do that thing for the next 40 odd years then they're basically old they retire and now they have money. Then you're going to do the things, right? Now no, they have money sorry, you to, can't, to you do can't, the things. You can't walk up those hills anymore. Yeah, now you, you just physically can't do as yeah. much. And you don't have this kind of energy you used to have. There are people who believe you you can only start living when you're 65. And that's so sad to me. Because you, you have your entire life up to that point. You can spend every day seeking out beauty in the world. And seeking a really meaningful existence and we settle for a lot less and, and i'm right. not and i'm not saying those things yeah. intrinsically are less i'm saying yeah if some, you're doing it because you're settling then it's yeah, less for some people they love that stuff yeah they i mean there there are people who i know who are are um they are happy and they work a nine to five yeah and whatever you do find a way to enjoy it and they don't want they don't desire to go uh uh, sleep on a cold, hard ground on the side of Mount Rainier. You know, but they haven't tried it yet. Eleven thousand feet. I know a lot of people who are totally happy with what they do, and they would hate that. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who would hate that. You know, I talked. I, I know a lot of other people who would love it too. I, I talked about this a little bit with Colby, which was the first episode of the podcast. He and I talked about this, and I, I wonder if. So there are people who, for whatever reason, you could take them up onto Mount Rainier and let them see this incredible nature, look at the mountains, and just breathe clean, fresh air. But it's thin. And, and yeah, okay, maybe lower <laughs> down, I don't know. Just, just any kind of beautiful, yeah. natural landscape. I, I get where you're going. And they, they wouldn't like it because there are bugs and it takes a lot of effort to get there. And there's no TV. There's no cell service. There's all these things. There would be reasons they wouldn't like it. But I have to ask, are any of those reasons nature or are all of them nurture? Is it all stuff that we've programmed into ourselves? So I feel like I'm inclined to believe that the natural human being loves to enjoy 
the earth and what it offers. I don't know. It could, That's my inclination. Probably, I could be probably, wrong. Uh, you're probably mostly right. But like a gnat flying into your eyeball. No, I mean, nobody enjoys that. Yeah, I, it's even I, an ancient, I don't enjoy even bugs an ancient that human. Much. They would curse him in whatever, whatever grunt they yeah. had. It's like, <laughs> gnat. You know, a gnat flies in your eye. And yeah. You're, you're going to get angry, even yes. if you're in the, having the best day. Yeah, I mean, bugs, <laughs> bugs aren't that great. But like me and, me and my dad went and we hiked the, the Continental Divide Trail in Rocky Mountain National Park. Right. We were there yeah. for f- four or five days, like four nights and five days backpacking like that. yeah backpacking beautiful trip one of the most beautiful places i've ever seen and i remember one of the days we had already set up camp and i went on a little walk and i went up around the bend and it's like this hidden valley just like a soccer field's length of mountains on either side beautiful like waist-high grass and a little tiny stream running through the middle of it mm-hmm. and a big rock. And I went and I sat on top of that big rock and I just looked at it. And I took out my journal and my pen and I, I journaled a little bit. Just for, for a little bit. Yeah. And then they were like mosquitoes the size of of <laughs> these microphones landing like four at a time on my shoulders. And I... I got up and I went back to my campsite. Right. But you got inside your net. But back, back the, inside your safety. But the majority of that experience right. was just beautiful. It was incredible. And the bugs were like, oh. Right, because you know our conversation we're having about the, the people that are willing to trade some freedom for safety, right? Or whatever. Their 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 tether. They'll put a tether on themselves willingly for safety, security. There's a guy out there that is doesn't even backpack with a tent right and he looks he probably looks at us and yeah say the same thing he's yep, like look at you <laughs> safety safety mesh net there yeah he's like i can sleep anywhere uh-huh. i can sleep on that rock over there and i admire that person like, you're you're trading you're trading a tether you got to find a flat spot <laughs> and carry that thing you're giving up you're giving up precious back see that that, that for... gets to it though that gets to the point for me which is that I have to, for myself, ask the question, could life be more beautiful for me if I was willing to give up a little it, a little more comfort? Can, am I actually missing out by holding on tightly to things that I don't need to hold on to? Can I let loose a little bit more? I have yeah. to ask that to myself, and I don't put that on other people. For, I don't ask the question for them, but I think we owe it to ourselves to ask a question for ourselves, wherever we are. Maybe maybe the next step for you is just going to a coffee shop on the weekend. Maybe the next step is you go to coffee shops, but you don't talk to people there. And maybe the next step is talking to somebody you, you've never seen before. You know, whatever that next step is, I'm just someone who thinks to really live your life you should always be moving the next step forward and it's different for everybody for some people it is like trekking through the mountains with 15 pounds of gear and sleeping anywhere and just having the time of their life for some people 
It's just not spending the weekend at home watching Netflix. I did that a lot at the end. It's it fragments your time. I mean, you know, nine to five does it same way. Uh, it fragments, and then what, what you have left is just enough that you can catch up on your show. Mm-hmm. And then you do. Yeah. And then, like, you didn't do anything else. Yep. And I have a whole other theory about that. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that thing in itself is wrong. In it. Yeah. Like, we I, come home. I like cinema. <laughs> yeah, we, we get home, and, and a lot of the time, I mean, me and John both get home around the same time, around 6. And a lot of time, we just, like, watch a movie. Mm-hmm. I like watching movies I haven't seen before or ones that I've seen and I know I love. And we sit there and we enjoy it. You know, I'm not bashing on that. But if that's your whole life, then there's a problem. If you never ask, can I spend my ways, can it, I spend my time in a It's an interesting theory about, about the, I, I can love cinema and still say this. Uh, because TV with Netflix has, I think the balance has definitely tipped more towards quantity mm-hmm. than quality. I agree. Uh, so what's interesting about that is you you are, instead of living the adventure that you're watching in the show, you're watching it, and you're getting like partial fulfillment from that. You're not doing an adventure. You're watching someone else adventure, except it's not even that. That person on that show, they're not even really doing the adventure either. They're faking an adventure. It's a show. It was written on a script. Mm-hmm. So it's not even a real adventure that you're watching. You're watching a fake adventure, right? You're not. You're not only not adventuring, but rather watching an adventure. You're not adventuring, and you're watching someone pretend to adventure. It's a good and point. So you're at you're at multiple <laughs> levels there of like fakeness. And I say that as a cinema lover, uh-huh. still, because I, I there's some movie that I really like. Yeah. Um, but uh, at a certain point, you do. You're not going to get full fulfillment from watching someone pretend to do something that you wish you could do. You have to go do it. Yeah. There's there's a place to watch movies too, though. But mm-hmm. you know, your whole life shouldn't be that unless no. you're a filmmaker. No, your whole <laughs> you should your whole life should never be just as a spectator. You don't want to be a spectator your whole life. Right. Yeah. So that's that's what the bed and breakfast was becoming for me, and and uh, one of the one of the factors that tipped the balance. That's, I've been thinking about quitting for a while. Uh, I watched this really old documentary. I forget what it's called. I was a spectator that day. I was watching, but it was a real. It was a documentary about uh-huh. these real people. Um, They're not faking. Well, it's on, it's on, it's on YouTube. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's about all these homeless guys somewhere out west, and they they steal these shopping carts, and they gather up cans, and they uh, they turn them in for you know five cents a piece. <clears throat> but somehow they end up making up en- enough off of those cans that like they they have everything they need. And then they they sleep on the street, but they're not like I wouldn't necessarily say they're a, a um, they're not a leech of society at that point. Like they're living on the street, but they're they're cleaning things up. Yeah, and they're paying for things. 
yeah, they're buying what they need, yeah. and they just happen to want to live on the street, right? Uh, they do steal the shopping carts, though. Okay. <laughs> but um, A lot of people do. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> one of the things they like to do, because they end up with a little bit of leisure time, uh, actually a lot, they they will they like to ride these shopping carts down this really steep hill. And you you got to find your thrill somehow, They get going man. real fast. I imagine they on do. On the shopping carts. And they interviewed one of those guys. <laughs> and um, this is actually pretty... I'm going to imagine it's a pretty well-known documentary, um, hmm. but I just can't. The name is leaving me right now. But uh, one of those guys said, he said, so you work a job and you make uh, 50 bucks. I'm just going to make that number up. You make 50 bucks and you need 10 to live, you know, till your next pay period whatever it is this was back in like the early 90s uh, i think the early 90s uh all right so you put 40 of it away right and then you do it again you give up a lot of time to make that 50 bucks he said at what point are you just like you know you're saving for something right or you're saving for the future and that's good to do but at a certain point you're not even living this homeless guy in this in this documentary said that he's like at a certain point you just kind of have to live, you know you can't just you can prepare for the future and that's a good thing to do, but you can over prepare for the future and you're actually giving up all the present. Mm. And he said that, and um, I sent that video to a real close friend of mine. Pretty much he knows me real well, and he said uh, he it's an hour long. He the replied, documentary is an yeah, hour long? It's an hour, okay. I think. He replied in a text with that quote. My friend, watch the whole thing. And he said, you sent me that. He said, you sent me that just because of what that homeless guy said at uh, 23 minutes and 57 seconds, didn't you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I think I've just figured out a, a system here. What's that? And instead of having to skim through episodes, I can just... Jot down timestamps for myself. Yeah. And then later I can just look, listen to five-minute sections and yeah, know that this, and it's and in there. Look at that. We've probably recorded for like a good 30 minutes before we even said much. That made, I, I, made, I would imagine made five or ten sense. minutes would be where we would cut in. Yeah. No, but uh, it's just like life advice from a homeless guy. Yeah. Uh, in this documentary and that I'm at the end I'm at the bed and breakfast I haven't gone camping at that point in like a year and a half yeah I haven't I've gone hiking a couple times but every time I went hiking I'm worried about the bookings and the emails and I'm like alright how much like you can save and save and save I'm a frugal guy I like to save but like I also like to accomplish things mm -hmm. and how much is enough <laughs> to save everyone's gonna have a different answer but what are you saving for if you never go do anything <laughs> man i hope a lot of people hear this and ask that question to themselves man, if you seriously. made it this far you you're just nothing but a spectator. <laughs> <laughs>
we want these spectators. Yeah. No, if you made it this far, man. Congratulations. Hell. Yeah, I wouldn't make it this far. So when <laughs> when did you stop being a spectator in life? When when did you start? When when would you say you became an adventurous person and started seeking out? Like you just kind oh, yeah. of skimmed through the last five years, and that was a lot. Definitely. I mean, I've always done like I worked uh, shift work up until 22 shift work like just part-time i mean part uh, it's not part it it becomes full-time it's part-time it's a part-time job Uh hourly yeah shift work you go in for a shift yeah and then you you pick up as many shifts as you want to pick up there and uh and then you try to pay your bills with what you earn there it's not doesn't require any kind of formal training or i was a lifeguard okay and uh married living in an apartment what 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 time is this when how old are you that was from 16 to 22 how old are you now 30 30 and anila how old are you uh, 31 you're 31 as well oh you're older you're not 31 okay. yet oh yeah you're right we had a birthday <laughs> four more days oh okay happy yeah. early birthday <laughs> by the time this episode comes out you, you'll be I should have just 31. left it that. She just left it because then it would be accurate. Oh uh, yeah, you know? yeah. But um, so you were, and when did you guys get married? Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. So this this is where it really this isn't this is an inflection point. And in twenty eleven, you were like we got married. Twenty one. Yeah, we got married. We're both lifeguards. She's going to college. Uh, I loved that job till it got old. I loved it. My license plate on my car said LF Guard. <laughs> like, I loved it. I loved being an innkeeper, too. But, I mean, it got old, and it got to where it's like, I don't want to do the same thing every day. Like, I did it for six years. The first couple of years were awesome. And uh, <laughs> so we're, we're married. Yeah, we don't have that much saved. We have a, we're good savers, so we have, like, a little bit saved. And we started to try to book weddings, and I, I made the goal. If I have eight weddings booked for 2012, I'm going to quit this job. And we got the eighth booking came through, and we quit. And our families, <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? Why are you? Especially the older the member of the family was, the more they are like, I can't believe yeah. you did that. <laughs> <laughs> right i can't believe this and uh so we quit and like the first year was pretty rough of being a full-time photographer mm-hmm. uh but then the second year it had picked up enough and we'd never really driven on our own out of the state so i looked at it that was the first time ever i looked at a map i was looking at all the states and i saw like where the mountain ranges were and I pointed at a couple, and I'm like, I'd like to see. Let's you know, let's just drive out there. Can we just do that? <laughs> you can, right? And yeah. are you from Virginia originally? Yeah. Did you grow up in Virginia? Mm-hmm. So this you were looking at I was looking stuff at the, that's close. Uh, no, I was looking at the west. Okay. okay. Yeah, I looked out west. I'd been out west before, but like this is from the you know more structured safety. Versus going out on your own safety of an a, adventure. Well, safety of flying out. On a plane, renting a car, staying at hotels, and seeing the 
highlights of the national parks from noon to four. Okay, yeah. You know, the way most people do it, they uh-huh. just see in the parks now. Uh, but we saw the mountains. On, I saw the mountains on the map, and we were like, we're going to do it. We're going to drive. Let's just drive out there and see what we can find. And, like, ever since that that trip, like, we, we've done it. So I've driven out there as many as three times in a year across as few as one and as many as three. And then that's why the the um, the bed and breakfast like put an end to that for a while. <laughs> but yeah, that that was when. Up until then it was pretty we were I was playing it pretty safe. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh I was on track to like go through and get a geology degree at the local college. Um, but like once you're self-employed even if you're poor and self-employed like once you go self-employed and you're an introvert like me and you're an INTP so you don't like credentials uh, and that's like that's a very common trait of INTP we just we don't I don't think that too many of us like respect credentials or wish to get credentials um once you go self-employed and you're credentialless and you're making it it's like i i don't think i could go back to anything else you kind of get used to the uncertainty of it you're inspiring me jordan you're gonna go you're gonna go rogue well it's funny that have you seen the movie the secret life of walter mitty yeah the first time I watched that movie, I picked my quitting date. Oh, did you? <laughs> Over my job, yeah. I was working. I was working in a hospital at the time. Yeah. Was that when you went to Australia? No, that was when I. I don't know if it was the first or the second time I left home. The first time I left home, I did it on a bicycle, and the second time is the one that stuck. The one when I left on my in my jeep. You're. How far did you get on the bicycle? I forget. A few hundred miles. I, I made it up to Wisconsin, and then I took a train into Minnesota. And I, I bought my Jeep there and came back and was back for a year, and then I left again. And why'd you give up on the bike? Too difficult to... Yeah. yeah. I realized in that few hundred miles that I wasn't really a cyclist <laughs> and yeah. that I had a lot of land to get over still because oh, yeah. the plan was to go all the way to the coast, the west coast. Man. Which would have just... Where were you staying at night? I had no plan, Jordan. You figured out places to stay? So where I ended up staying, I was only on the bike for a week. There were, I believe, there might have been three nights when I was in like a motel, mm-hmm. which is just shameful. That's how we feel. I know, yeah. We, 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 travel, this, <laughs> we travel the whole country on a, a dirt bike, right? And we're, we're like... We're going to camp or stay with people we know everywhere uh-huh. we go. And it's the same thing, except you can cover more ground. Yeah. Right? It's the same setup as tent yep. camping on a bike, uh, like a bicycle. See, I didn't have a tent. No tent. I didn't have anything. Wow. I had clothes and my camera. Again, that's what I had. So I was forcing myself into that situation Gosh. where I thought what what I wanted to do is meet people you and really, stay with You really people. cut the tether. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you, I, I did. You, I needed you to. You cut the tether and went over the cliff with. And like, I was twenty one at the just time. Just half a parachute. <laughs> that that was that was tr- right after I turned twenty one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, we we would end up every now and then. We we hit the end of the rope, and it's like we thought we had a place to stay lined up. It fell through. It's getting dark. Uh, we have a campsite we found on the map. This looks like a good spot. We get there. It's like three inches deep of mud, and you can't ride there. And it's like dusk at that point, and we're looking. This is like uh, near Virginia City in Nevada, <laughs> uh, not too far from Reno. This is like my experience like with your bike. We get there, and it's like we can't camp here. It's like it's like a mud pit. <laughs> Uh, you can't even ride across that kind of mud yeah. with the bike we have. You can't. You walk there. You're just walking in mud. You're going to set up the tent in a mud pit, and then like surrounding the whole area that night was uh, big giant streaks of lightning, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and like you're on a bike in the middle of a plain, you know, a big a big open plain. We're gonna camp in the mud. <laughs> and this, like, every three seconds, there's a huge streak of lightning and then a big boom of thunder. And uh, that night, we were like, oh, gosh. We're going to have to stay in, like, a hotel. And that's just, what a sissy way you, to you be. You feel like you've failed. Yeah, what a sissy way to be. Like, we're out here, if we are out here to stay in hotels, we'd been staying in hotels the whole time. You know, so we're out here on this bike and we we're thinking, we can't do that. We can't stay. You, I'm talking to my wife now that you probably would have, you probably would have stayed in the hotel, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> but me, it's like, it's like, I worked hard for that $80. I worked real hard. Uh, I'm not going to spend it. It's late already. And I'm going to so keep working gonna, hard to, keep, yeah. to hold on to it. We're going to pay for a hotel room and we're going to get there at like one. And then we'll have to be checked out like 10 or 11 hours from then. Um, we found a way without a hotel. We, we, uh, I went on, I'd gone on the adventure biker network a couple uh-huh. of weeks ago. And there was a guy that said he had a room we could stay in somewhere in Nevada and I texted him. This has been two weeks after the first time I was in contact with the guy. I texted him and I said, how about now? And he was two hours away. His place. How about now? And he's like, yeah, come on over. So we rode there. Thank God for those people. We rode there through like a, like a lightning storm. (laughs) And we got there. We're completely soaked and uh, we're actually going to, I didn't tell you this. We're actually going to go see that guy again. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to go see him again uh, in about probably three weeks from now. Uh, And we're we're out here now in a – we didn't even get into this detail. We're out here in a Subaru pulling a trailer with a dirt bike on the back. And I told the guy we're doing that and we're going to be passing through. And he said, well, that's just great. I'll get my – He's a biker because met him on the biker group. Uh-huh. He said, I'll get my 450 fired up and we'll go, you know, there's a whole lot of cool trails up there near him. So we're going to ride together. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you're the same way. I mean, same same thing. You offered me a place to stay on the last trip on the way west. Back, yep. Way east. We were headed west, though. You were headed west at the time? And you first said, hey, I got a place for you to stay. And we're like, it's too far off the path we're trying to get. Uh-huh. And then on the way back. Okay. I circled back to okay. you. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're staying with you again after three years. Uh-huh. We're we'll staying with this other guy again after three years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that, man. Same thing. That, uh, your your bike story just inspired that little... Man, little I honestly, story. like, it didn't... It wasn't what I had imagined it would be, that trip. But none of it, none of it is the things that I've done anyway. They, they never are what I think they're going to be. That's fine. But there was something else. And it was awesome. It was so peaceful. I still the, remember, I mean, riding those long, flat Illinois, northern Illinois roads. Nothing for miles but straight road and fields on either side. And you got and into just, Wisconsin, you said? Just riding. Like, you go up, like, up into Wisconsin? I was in Wisconsin, yeah. So I took a train from the Dells, from the Wisconsin Dells. I don't know how far into the state that is. You make it to Milwaukee. It's uh, north of Madison. Madison. You make it to Madison. Mm-hmm. Didn't make it much further than Madison, I don't okay. think. Because uh, I, so I stayed with a friend of my cousin's in Madison, and then I left Madison, Wisconsin, and this was in May, and I had not planned for cold weather because I don't plan. I didn't plan for anything. I was like, May, it's kind of warm. I'm gonna. I need to plan so that, because I was on the north end of the country. Remember, it's so I was planning. It's where we are right now. I know it, it, it snowed, snowed today. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was thinking I have a long way to go. I want it to be midsummer while I'm up in like north, like the northwest. Did you even have a plan of how how long you were going to be out? No, like no. You you say you don't have a plan. Did you have a general expectation of how long it might take you to get to the coast? No, because I'd never done something like that before. I looked at the mileage, and I probably looked at Google Maps and how long it took and figured if I keep up a reasonable pace every day, I can get there. And I don't remember what I came up with. (laughs) But anyway, I I didn't do once you got to the coast. (laughs) Be a wedding photographer. (laughs) I don't know. I just didn't adventure um easier said than done yeah but i so i left their house and it was cold it was colder than i thought it was gonna be and it started snowing (laughs) it was like flurries and i was getting cold and i started losing feeling in my toes and your your feet don't move much in those cycling shoes the clipless shoes that you lock in they're kind of jammed in there yeah they don't move much and I was losing feeling on my toes. I put on another pair of socks. Still wasn't doing me much good because I just didn't have much circulation down there. Your feet and your hands get hit hard when you're oh, cycling. Yeah. On a bike. Yeah. A motorcycle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. So <laughs> I remember, I think I, I was texting a friend telling him like, either he was texting me or I was texting him. I was like, man, I didn't anticipate this. I'm not feeling great. Pray for me. <laughs> And I remember that I was like going up a hill and I get to the top and I see down and then there's another hill (laughs) and (laughs) and it's cold and then my mom calls me (laughs) and I pick up while I'm literally, I have like, 
I have my phone in one hand and my thumb out in the other because <laughs> I'm trying to hit your ride. <laughs> and my mom's asking me how I'm doing. <laughs> and you're like, and you're like, what did you say? Not, oh, I don't not remember. great. Uh, yeah, probably something like you know. I was honest. You say and she was like, "Oh, Joel." Well, I'm on a train. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, so I hitched a ride. It's wonderful family. This guy pulled over. It was like his wife and his daughter in the truck, and he's like, "Yeah, get in. We'll, we'll put the truck, the the bike in the back." And he put the bike in the back, and they drove me like out of their way to another town that was where the direction I was trying to go and drop me off. And I, I got a, I got a motel on the side of the highway. And, um, so why did you do it on a bike? Was it for the cost of the bike? So did you not have a car at that point or I had a car Hmm. and I sold it and I bought a bicycle. Well, I mean, what was the, because I'm an idiot (laughs) and, and, I didn't want to do the trip in the car I had, which was a 2005 Hyundai Accent, a little tiny car. It's my first car. Bought it before I had a license. And I didn't want to do it in that. And I didn't have money to get anything else. And then I thought, you know, you attract more attention doing this kind of a trip on a bicycle. I could really... There's a reason. Yeah. That it attracts attention. Yeah, I, I could. So I could. It's like, look at that idiot. Yeah, <laughs> I could make this something more than just a road trip. If I figure out a different way to do this, I didn't have the option of buying another vehicle. So I thought. Well, I had also I'd been following a guy. Have you heard of Jeremiah Jenkins? No. He at the time was still in the middle of a trip from. I think he like. Washington. I don't think it was Alaska. I think it was Washington State to Patagonia. Oregon. He 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 did a trip from Oregon to Patagonia on a bicycle. Patagonia being southern end of South America. Pan American right. Highway. Yeah. I just so, watched a thing about that today. Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. I watched a guy who did it on a a little motorcycle. James Barkman did that on this, a motorcycle with a couple of different guy, friends. He did not ship his bike around the Darien Gap. Oh. He went through the Darien Gap. They on so, a bike with another guy. James Barkman and his crew so James Barkman is extreme. James, if you're listening, we need to hang out. <laughs> he <clears throat> motorcycled basically a dirt bike. Like I think it was probably a KLR. I think it was a six fifty. Same thing from Alaska to Patagonia mm-hmm. with friends, a few different biker guys. And the part of the trip was along the way, summoning all of the highest mountains they could. He's a mountain climber, so he does okay. that stuff. And they, I remember him talking when they got to the Darien Gap and trying to figure out how they could manage it. And they had to end up, they ended up shipping their bikes across. They didn't go through. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy told the story about when he crossed it. He crossed it from south to north, and uh, it's 80 miles of jungle. It took him 20 days with a bike to go 80 miles, and just in that jungle area in the gap. And uh, he said they'd wake up with, like, they have to cut a trail every day with a machete, and then they have to cut a trail for a whole day. 
and then ride the bike on the trail and then stop and cut more trail. And, uh, man, so they're in the thick jungle doing mm-hmm. this. And at the end of the day, they'd, they'd sit down at their campsite and start picking ticks off their legs and arms, right? Ticks get on you when you're working in the jungle. And this one day they, they, they were counting how many ticks they had. And it's one day they had like over 150 ticks. And so I was telling, I was telling my wife about it. Like you can go, if the, we could make it through the Darien Gap on a bike. And she's like, she's kind of into it for a second. And then I told her about the ticks and she's ticks like, are nasty. she's like, she's like, uh, is there a way to do it without the ticks? <laughs> Hazmat suits. It's like, no, <laughs> the ticks are a part of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I, I think I don't, I really, ticks. I get creeped out by ticks, but I think, I think I'd be willing to deal with the ticks. One of those, maybe. No. When I was in Tasmania, I'm not going to tell this whole story, but when I was in Tassie, I stayed with a guy in the shack in the woods for a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember helping him install a shower in his shack and having to lay on the ground outside it and, like, partially crawl underneath the shack and getting up and having ticks all over me <laughs> and and just brushing them all off and picking them off. How do you feel about that? I, I was upset. Yeah. Um, it was not a, it wasn't a good situation. I was, I had found myself in <laughs> and, um, that's what ticks make me think of. Yeah. Well, it's like you tell that story, <laughs> you tell that story different than this this biker guy told the story of his thing. And, and and I would tell the story of the ticks more like you just did. If I had all these ticks on me, it's like, oh my gosh, there was this day. It was the worst thing ever. I got these ticks all over me. The rest of the experience around that, the tick yeah. experience for me was pretty bad too. This biker guy was like, every day we had ticks on ourselves and we picked them off. That's it. He didn't associate it with like, he wasn't like, I couldn't believe it. There were ticks. It was the worst day ever. He's just like, we had ticks. We picked them off. Uh-huh. We moved on. He did say, like, it was very difficult to get through the jungle. but. And that's another example of how there's levels of this, you know? He got an like, infection in his leg from heaven, from the ticks. I believe it. And he had to go to the doctor yeah. when he got into a Panama. They're horrible. <laughs> there was that photographer I sent you, Matt Day. Yeah. He almost died from a tick infection. Really? A disease he got from a tick. They didn't know what had happened to him for a while. He was hospitalized. He was almost paralyzed um, for a long time. And I've they figured out it was a disease. Yeah. It was like a horse disease or they something. They get Lyme confused with some other things. Yeah, Lyme, I don't know. Disease, I, I don't remember what it was, but he got it from a tick bite. He almost yeah. died. Yeah, I've known a couple the, other people. In the modern age. Who have been in the hospital over that, over over a tick. Yeah, spread something to them, and they mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what it was. And then, and then they mentioned, "Well, there was this tick <laughs> that I pulled off," and they're like, "Oh, okay, we got stuff for that." And but who's the, the further evolved species here, the tick uh, or the human? Yeah, Gotta the, wonder. The tick is ultra niche, <laughs> specialized. <laughs> no, but yeah, I I see that guy doing that trip through that you i mean you you do more than i would do i mean i feel like i'm a you know i'm kind of 
I'm kind of badass riding the. Is that okay to say that? Oh yeah. Okay. I feel like some. I don't know if I have to rate it as explicit for that. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to be safer with that. You no, I don't want to get it banned. It. I feel like I'm no, that's high and mighty riding a dirt bike across the U.S. And then there's Joel over there that set out on a bike without a tent or a plan. I mean, he didn't make it. But I was just but, stupid. Well, sure. But like people call me stupid for setting out on a dirt bike. Like that's kind of stupid. It's we got of, we have stories though. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and 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 I'll, I'll never look back at that trip and call it stupid. Now, in hindsight, I look back on it and think, "Well, just, I, ju- I just, just did. did. I just yeah. did. I I won't look back on that trip and regret the experience ever." Because you, it, you it, learned something. I from learned it. stuff from it, and you it learned, was and it was something yeah. I, I will probably never get to experience again. You don't and there was something beautiful about why not? it. I just don't see it happening soon. You hate riding bikes? No, I really wish I had a bike again. And I love the idea of a long-term bicycle trip. But it's not a priority right now. There are other things I'm trying to pursue. And the more time goes on, the less likely it becomes that that it'll happen. Especially if I get married. That's the case that I made to all the... uh... You know, there there are people in your life. They they can't handle non-safety situations. They have a hard time handling when people they know get into non-safety situations, and they let you know. They try to crush your dreams, and uh, because theirs have already been crushed. What's that? Because theirs have already been crushed. It, and they, I guess. And they don't even know it. But like all these things we did, we did before we're 30. Right? And like we've climbed a bunch of the Cascades, like mountaineering. Mm-hmm. We've gone on road trips and all these different vehicles, built campers. and We haven't even talked about that <laughs> much on this podcast yeah. i mean a little bit but i get into this recognizing no matter who i talk to i'm not going to cover everything you can't yeah no that's not the goal no but um it, a lot of these things you wouldn't have energy to do when, when you get older unless you're wim hoff the ice man you know who this guy is no he's the guy who climbed everest and board shorts and oh yeah. That oh guy. yeah. He he was on um he was on Jordan Peterson's podcast. Oh yeah. Like like uh 2 months ago, mm. I think. Is he is he um he has kind of an accent. He's from He's Icelandic, I believe. Or Norwegian or Finnish or something like that. With no oxygen? Climbed the Nothing. Yeah. Except shorts. Yeah. That was the guy. Yeah. That was the guy. What, says, what does that tell you about what humans are capable of? He has doc. He said he has doctors study him. Yeah, right. This guy. I don't know if it was that guy or not. I mean, it doesn't seem to be very common. It has to be the same person. <laughs> it was probably him. Yeah, he's pretty well known. Or it was the other guy point. that climbed Everest with just shorts. Yeah, right. No, but he said he has doctors study him to figure out how the heck the human body can pull that off, and then they try to use that to like diagnose other people who can't walk up a hill you know with supplemental oxygen 
They're like, this guy can do it without anything. What's wrong with these other people who are having these other problems? Mm-hmm. And how could we solve that? You know? Man, I could do a whole podcast just talking about that guy yeah. and, and the implications of what he's capable of. So we won't make it about him. Yeah. Yeah, but um, doing those things when we're young, it's like there's a lot of things that could go wrong with setting out on a bicycle, deciding to walk up a mountain, walking on glaciers, you know, camping for 150 nights out of the year. (laughs) <laughs> and uh boondocking getting into sketchy places like you can deal with that stuff i feel like your body can deal with it better mm-hmm. the younger you are yeah and if you're gonna do it don't wait till you're retired to do it yeah you know and if people try to discourage you from doing it when you're young it's and uh, i score on that myers-briggs as a turbulent personality type which means the um the way that people perceive me or, or judge me really can affect me a lot. And I think I've learned in the last decade to just, you just bulldoze right over it. <laughs> I mean, you just have to. Otherwise, you're, you're, living, you're living someone else's life. If someone tries to, like, if someone tries to bulldoze your dream, you just bulldoze over them. <laughs> respectfully as respectfully as you can but that you wrote down another time stamp i did I, i'm figuring i'm still figuring out the system more so i can write timestamp and then i can just put dashes down the line or, or bullet points and then i know under under timestamp i'm like here's where all the all the meaty sections are that i can jump right to if i want to pull a quote but yeah, you can't let that stop you. No, certainly not when Did you're young. Did people try to stop you from setting out on the bike that people say like, oh, Joel, Joel, just... I don't think anybody <laughs> took me that seriously. Yeah. So they didn't think it was something they had to stop me from doing. Right. Which only made me try harder to make sure I accomplished it. The, the... People saying, pe- me knowing that people thought I wasn't going to do it made me that's determined how I, yeah, to do that's it. That's how I've tried to channel it. Yeah. Like... Like, um, that's why my hair, my hair hasn't been cut. <laughs> my last haircut was in 2012. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah August of 2012. No, that doesn't count the beard, does it? You haven't been growing just the beard since 2012. This is, uh, last I shaved this was like the middle of last year. Okay, yeah. You'd have a bigger beard. What? If you'd been growing it since 2012. Only in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> not on the sides. They get longer, right? I did not get any jeans from the general... Uh, Burnside. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, the hair. About two or three years after that, you know, people start saying like, "You need to. When are you gonna cut that? You're gonna need to deal with that." And uh, the more they said it, the more I'm like, "Well, I'm just. I'm not even gonna get it cut then, ever." I was going to until you said that. <laughs> so what they should have known is that they should have told me to grow it long. Maybe I would have gotten a cut then. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, mm-hmm. like you're saying, you channel it, and but that, uh-huh. not everybody does that though. There there are some people that I've met, um, friends who, if someone questions their plan or their dream, like it'll it'll just it'll crush them. Yeah, and it could it could do that to me for sure. I think I'm prone to that. Yeah. Um. I think I'm prone to it too. I I used to be more prone to it than I yeah. am now. Yeah, I, I think I've gotten to a place where I'm more able to believe in the things I want than I was at a younger age. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm less concerned with other people's opinions. I'm also someone who, anytime I'm given an opinion, even if it's one I've asked for, mm-hmm. I always have to think. You're like, what do you think about that? But. But does it have to be that way? And then you you brace yourself for some slaps. Or if I'm like, if I do this, what will happen? And they say, well, when I did this, this is what happened. And I'll take that advice. And I'll weigh it in my mind. And I'll say, yeah, but it could go differently for me. So I'm going to try it anyway. I'm going to learn from my own experience. Here is the quote that I was thinking of. I've said this through the years to other people. Um, but I just hope this doesn't get the notebook. Yeah. I hope this doesn't mess up your, um, hope this doesn't mess up your opinion of your bike trip too much because <laughs> it's kind of harsh. It's a harsh quote and okay. I apply it to myself very harshly. Uh, but I think you can achieve anything you want to in life. I don't think there's anything that can stop you if you're determined enough to make a thing happen. To make a thing happen, <clears throat> and what I've said before, somebody said, "Well, what, you know, what, what if you fail at this? Whatever you're doing, what if you fail at it?" And my response, just off the cuff, came right from the heart. I said, "I think, I think if uh, they said you have, they said have you ever failed before?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I failed before." And they said, "Well, well what do you think about that?" And I said, "I said anything personally that I have ever failed at." I assume that I failed because I didn't want it bad enough. Like if I had to quit in the middle of something or give up on an idea, I just didn't want it bad enough. So basically you're saying if if you want it and you keep going for it, you'll achieve it. Yeah, or you'll adjust. I mean once you learn more about the thing, maybe you'll adjust what's what's realistic. Mm-hmm. But – but uh, like if you straight up just give up on a thing or, or, or you fail, even if you fail, even if you didn't give up but you fail, I, I think most of the time you didn't want it bad enough. If you wanted it bad enough, you would have set it up to succeed, right? You would have – you might have done it differently if you wanted it that bad. It's an interesting thought to apply. Oh, I mean, I didn't want it back. I can totally (laughs) say that about that. I really didn't because I didn't even—I didn't know what I wanted. I had never done that before. The—the idea of it was very attractive to me. I thought that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted. I thought I wanted to go to the West Coast and become a wedding photographer. I'd never even done it before, though. How could I know if I even liked it? Yeah. How could I know if I liked riding a bicycle across the country? Now, there's obvious exceptions to that. That belief, like <clears throat> you could be building the, you could be building yourself a bungalow 
on the beach and you just really want to you really want to set up your house you want to have your bungalow set up on stilts on the beach somewhere and then like a huge hurricane comes through and you're you got the thing just about built and then rips it down and like yeah you might have wanted it bad enough but the hurricane came okay yeah yeah so like there's there's exceptions there's external forces that kind of sometimes destroy things from about 30 percent to 70 percent of what you were just saying my brain went somewhere else but i came back in time to (laughs) digest the point you were making yeah but uh obviously like other forces come in and destroy things but yes i don't know that's my experience i set out to achieve a goal and i feel like i i personally feel like i set ambitious goals like I would say you do. Like ride a dirt bike across the country with enough gear to photograph a wedding and don't stay in any more than three hotels along the way for three months. Like that's a that's a, I stayed in three hotels in a week. Yeah, that that's fairly ambitious. Yeah. I mean there I have, agree. there's a guy that went across the Darien Gap with a motorcycle, so that's that's a little bit more ambitious, I think. But <laughs> Yeah. But it's but, always uh, about, you know, what's the next step for you? But we, we actually got to, uh, so the night you first offered a place to stay, we were near um, Little Rock. That was the first night we had ever camped on our bike on the other trip. And uh, we set up, and it was dark, and uh, got the tent set up in the dark. And... I'm like, all right, now what? And I go to sit down, and I'm like, oh, there's no chair. There's no table. You know? What have we done? (laughs) What? Like, we've committed to this now. What have we gotten ourselves into? You probably thought that when the flurry started. Yes. You get far enough from Because at a certain point, you can't... There's no turning back. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. That's where we were. We so were in Arkansas. So you just roll with it. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't a quotable I was writing down that I bumped my mic and I realized, oh, I can write down places where I do that too and just cut it out. But yeah, ambitious, like build a truck camper from scratch, like piece by piece. From nothing to a finished, livable space that's waterproof and comfortable and heated. And it can go 80 miles an hour down the road and last a number of years from knowing nothing about it. I, I would, at this point, in, when I, before I started it, someone's like, that's a pretty ambitious project to pick there. And I'm like, no, it's not. We'll be out of here in two weeks. Right. And looking back on it now, I'm looking at all the nights spent working on details. And it's like, that that was ambitious. Yes, I would agree. And I almost gave up a couple times. But it was less ambitious for you than it would be for some people. Because Cause, that's relative. Because I'm naive, I think. Well, also because you, you're more capable of succeeding at that than some people. Because they get obsessive, I guess. Yeah, for whatever the reasons are, you, you set out and you got it done, and not everybody would. I work with people who would just that w- wouldn't happen. Um, and that was that. W- you had already lived out of a 
truck camper before, okay. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so that was a next step for you. Well, and having lived out of one gave me some really good ideas for the pitfalls of design in a camper. So when I designed mine, I had all that in mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't put this here. Don't put that there. These things need to line up like this rather than like that. The chairs need to be more comfortable than they are. Those <laughs> chairs and those things, because they make... I have a, a couple little YouTube videos I recorded about this, details of the camper. Okay. Um, but uh, I have a whole video just about the seats that I made for it. And these seats in normal RVs, they're all meant to be made into a bed. It's your seat, it's your bed. Actually, it's more of a secondary bed, usually. Uh, the dinette turns into a bed, uh-huh, usually. Yeah. But uh, what you get out of that is you get you get a seat that's not a very good seat, and then you get a bed that's not a very good bed, because it does both. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew when I did this, I spent like, I spent a good week working out all the kinks of this design of the seat, and then... I think it took me about three nights to build each each seat. Um, this is why, and they're comfortable. I, they're comfortable. I'm sure they are. I'd love to see them in person sometime. This though is is this is why I don't think I would ever buy a new camper because campers and RVs inside they essentially all look the same. They're basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And even like the luxury nice ones that are like a house on wheels, I'm not into the way that they look inside. Even those, I've been inside a couple of those. They're the same as those others you were just talking about. Yeah. They just have a a facade of quality. Yeah. It's a fake quality over top of the same junk. And it's the cost of a house. Yeah. So... I would never do that when I would have the option of buying, finding an old, beat-up camper or Airstream, gutting it, if it even need gutting, needed gutting, and putting exactly what I wanted inside. Designing right. it the way I wanted, the way that worked for me, it's comfortable, it looks good, it right. is good, it's quality. Um, I, it, it's just everything about it to me would, it's just a better alternative coming from someone who's not actually done the work to build one himself. I think I told a friend, the friend who owns the shop about two weeks ago, I was just about done and I looked at him and I'm like, you know, if it weren't so satisfying having built this thing, uh, not that I would buy a new one, but have built this from scratch. I think this may, may be one of the stupidest things I've ever done. <laughs> like if it weren't so satisfying that I built it, uh-huh. and it's like I built something that's nice. Um, I would have just bought an old one and gutted it rather than build from scratch. So that's the two ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, People who buy brand new things and they're like they're not even that nice from the factory and then they got people yeah. like me who build it from scratch and it's like sure that's pretty cool that's satisfying you built it 
how long did that take you? How much life did you give up to make that thing? And uh, could you have done that in less time another way and already been enjoying your time on the road? You know. You could have. But it kind of is a road itself. Yeah. It's it's a Yeah, it's all part of the experience. Yeah, the That's the the I don't even know if it's a quote from Braveheart, but I quote it. The freedom is the fight. The freedom is the fight. You're fighting for freedom, right? Well, the freedom is the fight. The the road trip can be the road trip or it can be the build of the camper. It's like that that is like that experience is just as rich as a road trip. Mm-hmm. Uh doing all that, learning all kinds of stuff, new stuff. And you don't have to kill anybody like William Wallace. Yeah, right. Know? I don't I don't know if he said that. I, I feel like he did. <laughs> That they they were saying, well, you know, what the are we, freedom, yeah, is the fight. Yeah, when are we going to get our freedom? And he's like, this, this is the freedom. You're taking it now. It's the fight. I did, I haven't watched that movie all the way through. I remember being in the room while it was on when I was younger. My older siblings, older family members were watching, and they like had just apprehended William Wallace. And we're leading him away, and then something happens, and he gets loose. And he takes a really big hammer and he smashes somebody in the back. And then the guy falls down and he takes the hammer and he smashes his head on the ground. <laughs> and I was younger and I still don't like violence of that kind very much. And I remember seeing that and being like, yeah, maybe this isn't for me. You would not like. And I, and I walked, I, I, I didn't watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> so you haven't seen, you've probably never seen Reservoir Dogs. No, yeah. I know of it. I don't, not, don't think you'd like it. it. No. There are some things that I can deal with. Um, I made the mistake of I made the mistake of watching that with my cousin that I'm about to go visit. And her I think her dad was a cop at one point or maybe still is. Is that the Tarantino film with the cop scene? Yeah. And um I forgot all about stuck it. Stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in my opinion, that's like a really cool movie. I I've, I've not like, seen it. Watching it with my cousin and like I'm about halfway through, I realized how it was a mistake. We should have picked a different movie because <laughs> we're we're at her house watching this, and uh, they lived in Michigan at the time. We're on a road trip, stopped and watched a movie, and uh, she's like audibly gasping at some of the stuff that <laughs> happens, and I'm like, oh gosh, we should have just watched Moonrise Kingdom. That was the other choice. That's, that, I've seen that. Yeah, that's an that, interesting that one, movie. That's a good movie, and it doesn't involve like <laughs> a, a policeman getting his ear cut off, you know. And mm. it's still enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, I don't enjoy that part. <laughs> no, I yeah, um, I, yeah. You know about that, though, that scene, I guess. Yeah, you've heard about it. I that. know. I've heard about it. I think the first time I heard about it was I I heard that song, and I had no idea that it was connected to that It's movie. a pretty cool song. It's a good song, Stuck in the Middle with You. It's by uh, Steeler's Wheel, mm-hmm. I believe. And I posted it on, like, Facebook or something. And one of my best friends, Brandon, his dad was a cop. And 
he was a friend of mine too. Like I would go over to their house and he would like talk to me. It was fun. I was like, you know, young teenager. And he commented on it. He said, always makes me think of that scene in Reservoir Dogs. (laughs) And I just, with like a frowny emoji or something. And I didn't know how to respond because I didn't know what he was talking about. And then I looked it up and realized what it was. That was the first time I I, I made that connection. You didn't watch the scene? No, I didn't watch it. Yeah. I've still not watched it. No, but... uh, I've not seen any Tarantino films. Really? Yeah, I've not watched any. We have, I I think, a couple of them here john's more of a movie movie connoisseur connoisseur than i am if you don't like gore but the thing about his gore that's i've seen gory movies that grossed me out quentin tarantino's gore is almost satirical yeah reservoir dogs is actually probably in my opinion probably the that's probably the least satirical and most gruesome out of all of them. But the rest are so over the top. You're like, that would never happen like that. You know, it, it ends up looking kind of like a melodrama. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. But I don't know if there's any of those of you would enjoy. Your roommate, would he watches them? He, he's seen his movies, yeah. I know he has Inglorious Bastards. And... There's a good sense of justice in that, in, in a couple of them. Django and Chain. I know you. I've heard you talk about that one because that photo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, he might. Is there? It's not the Magnificent Seven, is it? The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. That's one of his, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he has that. I don't like that one as I much. I think. I think he has that. You There's know, a neat thing about that one though is uh that was before I came visit here. We we went to see that in the theater when it came out in Philadelphia. We we drove all the way to Philadelphia because we got tickets to watch it. It was uh it was projected with real anamorphic film. Oh. Like real to real. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 70 millimeter. Wow. So like it's the real deal. Uh-huh. It was shot in 70 millimeter anamorphic and it was uh, this super wide, super cinema scope, mm-hmm. they call it. The aspect ratio is real wide. And then uh, the theater showing was 70 millimeter. So it had the, the screen had to flicker to it. That's so, so cool. Which is where the name, <clears throat> that's why they call them flicks. Because huh. they would flicker on the screen the film being projected and there's a little shutter that opens each time so it flickers and that's where they get the name flicks and then that's where netflix com- comes from okay yeah wow. from the old film projection days yeah netflix Man, did not know that yeah that's why they call them flicks i um again john's more into this stuff than i am he knows a lot more about it but now i notice when we watch christopher nolan movies Nolan is, John says he's a film purist, so he loves shooting with real film, mm-hmm. not recording his movies digitally. Right. And you see when he's sh- when he shoots some scenes with their IMAX cameras because the black bars disappear, and all of a sudden your whole screen is filled, and there's mm-hmm. something different about the shots. 
And now I notice it every time. And then those are the shots that I know I'm paying more attention to. Because I'm thinking, like, this is one he knew he wanted to spend more money on. And Mm -hmm. most of the time you don't notice it. Because he gets away with this black bars and now there's not black bars. It's kind of it's kind of drawing if you're looking for it. But those are the scenes that he wanted to spend more money on, I guess. And they're but they're still film. Yes. Yeah. They're shot with an IMAX camera. I don't hmm. I don't know what that is. That might be seventy. There's different aspect ratios of of seventy, based on the the camera and the lens. Uh. It must be more of a square. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's it's IMAX it's, is a big, tall, mm-hmm. wide, tall and wide screen. Yeah, right. And I think some of his movies have been released limited, and you can go view them with in seventy millimeter. I think um, Dunkirk was one of those. I didn't see it in seventy, but I think when it was released, that was an option. There were some theaters that were showing it in seventy millimeter. Nolan, what else does he do? He did the Dark Knight trilogy, and that's, I think, what most people came to know him for. He did a movie before that called Memento. I like that one. It's, I wouldn't watch it a second time. It was really Neither interesting. Neither would I. That was enough. Yeah, it was enough. Um, did, did he do... Um, he did Interstellar. Did he do... I'm blanking on the name of it. About the magicians. Yes, the Prestige. Yeah, he did that. He did the Prestige. I, I'll watch that twice. Maybe it's, not. I maybe like, not three times. I like that movie. I've seen it a few times. He did Inception, which is another really big one. I don't feel like watching that one again. It's a good movie. It's it's really cool. It's very typical Nolan. Super fast paced. Tons of dialogue. Did he do Inception? He did Inception. Yes. Yeah, that one was good. I'm not drawn to watch it again. Yeah. No, I, I enjoy that one, but it's not—it's not, it's not my favorite what? of his. A lot of cine- and, a lot of cinephiles hate me for this, but I didn't like the Dark Knight. Any uh, of them? I like him because I like that character. I like well for one thing, I do like the Joker's character, and and I just like kind of the darkness around the story. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very atypical for him, honestly. Being a little more familiar with his films now, the fact that he did some comic book story films was really weird. And I'm not into comics, so it could be. I mean, it's it's Batman, though. I mean, that's like you don't have to be into comics to be into Batman. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, but but um, Interstellar is my favorite of his movies, though. No, that's I think I only saw that one time. That's a beautiful movie. And then he did Tenet. That came out just this past year. I haven't seen that one. It's another movie that's it's not my favorite. I don't think it's his best work. It's cool. It's a fun movie to watch. But I still have no idea how to explain it. It's mind bending. I'll put that on put that on my list. Yeah, tenant. Yeah. There's quite a few of these these episodes I talk I end up talking with people about movies. Yeah. Yeah, I've been into I've been really into movies in the past, but but I kind of got to um, I discovered it six years ago, and I liked cinema, mm-hmm. and all of the ones that that 
me. I'm sure there are more out there, but I feel like I've been through a lot of the top ones. And it's like, I've started in the, you know, early days of cinema, worked my way up to now, and now they, they only come out at a certain speed. Yeah, uh, they're like, few and far between. Yeah, I know. So like, I kind of, I'm kind of out of it now. Like, I've watched a lot, most of them. Uh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm running out of content. Did you see Prisoners? Yeah. I just watched that for the first time some months ago. It was very difficult. But I, I really like um, I like Paul Thomas Anderson a lot. You know who that is? Nope. He did. There Will Be Blood. Okay, we have yeah. that. Do you Can like I, that one? I haven't seen it, and I've oh, been man. told I need to watch it. I watch that, that one. I watch it about... I probably watch it about three times a year. Really? Yeah. Have you seen No Country for Old Men? I watch that about three times a year. Yeah, that's one those, of my favorite Those two, movies. it's interesting you would lead right to that because <laughs> I've met other people who think this. Those two movies share a common place in their mind, a lot of people. It's probably because they both take place in the, like the, you know, the desert, Texas, getting over towards California area. Mm. Um similar landscapes they were actually shot in the same area okay uh and they came out around the same time okay but yeah i need but, to i need to watch it yeah those two those two movies i think are they share the number one and number two spots in my list uh and i describe them as poetic mm-hmm. the pacing the pacing the uh there's long periods of no dialogue really like that and no music i, I don't know about there will be blood but there's there no will mu- be blood. there's no music in in no country for old men the score for there will be blood is fantastic it was done by i forget the guy's name but he's a member of radiohead oh okay he did he did the whole thing hmm. he's a friend of paul thomas anderson okay but he he does there will be blood. Magnolia. Okay. Boogie Nights. You heard of that? No, I think we have Magnolia. That Magnolia is pretty philosophical. You'd probably enjoy it. Um, I can't talk about movies without mentioning um, Terrence Malick to people. You know his movies? He's got a long career, but he hasn't made that many. No, he? he took a big uh, break in like from the late 80s to the late 90s, I think. I've seen... The one Thin of Red old, Line. I've seen Badlands. Badlands is one of his I older like, ones. I like that. He did The Tree of Life. I like that. Um, wait, wait, Tree of Life. No, I haven't seen it. Beautiful movie. You should watch that one. Every, every movie that he makes is beautiful. Even his old stuff. Um, the New World which follows. It's like a retelling of the story of Pocahontas and John Smith hmm. and the settling of the Americas. That's, I think that's my favorite one of his. Um, he made a movie that just came out a few years ago called uh, A Hidden Life that is – it follows an Austrian farmer who – during World War II, 
based on true events, who was an objector of the war. He didn't want to fight. He didn't. He didn't believe in what his country, what was happening to his country. And it is intensely powerful. It's also entirely shot, I believe, on a, a lens that's so wide it's almost a fisheye. Oh. It's really interesting. He's, Beautiful. He's got Beautiful another movie. movie that has, it might have Brad Pitt in it. Recently. Tree of Life has Brad Pitt. Is it? Yeah. He shot a lot. I saw some and shots. And Jessica Chastain. It looked like a wide angle. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of really wide stuff. And does he do, uh, does he use a lot of movement with it, like like um, mm -hmm. uh, long shots? Yep. Reframing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what the guy does uh, who who shot The Revenant. Uh, forget. I didn't see The Revenant. They shot it like that. Wide angle. Long takes. Natural lighting. It's all natural lighting? I think it is. I don't think there's any supplemental lighting. What else did we... We watched something recently that was all natural lighting. I don't remember what it was. Well, what's nice about... Uh, the reason I, I like There Will Be Blood, they didn't, they didn't do all natural lighting, <clears throat> but they did a very naturalistic picture style like colors looks pretty true to life hmm. doesn't look extra polished extra contrasty you know it looks real uh, so it's a different time i'm gonna bump that up on my my yeah. list of movies i need to watch i've had my phone in my pocket this whole time and it hasn't rung or dinged oh wow is that usually you leave your phone somewhere when you do uh this? sometimes it's over here oh Sometimes I have it in here. Sometimes it's not. I put it on Do Not Disturb when I record. Yeah, but like I said, I kind of been out of it. I, I'm kind of on the or a rerun, stuck in a rerun period. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's hard to remember for me, or I can remember the movies that came out in theaters that I was excited for because they're few and far between. Right. I was excited when Interstellar came out. I was excited when Dunkirk came out. Um, I was excited when Logan came out. But man, I, generally most years, can, I can go the whole year and there's nothing that's coming out that I really care about seeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then No Country for Old Men, that kind of got me into the rest of the Coen Brothers mm -hmm. lineup. Have you seen any other other movies? I've seen True Grit. Their their version of True Grit. I really Grit. like that. Mm -hmm. um, the Big Lebowski. I haven't seen that. Fargo. I think I think we have that. No, nope. Fargo's a little bit. Is that the series, the television series? That's just as good as the movie. Um, but with uh, Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman. That's one season. Yeah, okay. it's kind of an. Uh, it's not. I wouldn't call it an anthology. It's mini different. series it's different every every season okay it's different okay. characters different um different story based on that area up there around fargo uh -huh. um but now fargo i don't know if you'd like it it's, it's got some there's some <laughs> some gritty material there's some red on a white snowscape. Yes. <laughs> so it stands out more. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, 
I, I really enjoy that. I, I would say they're, they're, um, the language of cinema is, is being killed by Marvel. It's being killed by quantity. Uh, really quantity of everything, quantity mm. of explosions in a movie. Like, the explosions stand out more when there's completely dead space surrounding them. Mm -hmm. And it gets, I like to explain, there's some music I like that's like this. It gets, it gets quieter, 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 really quiet. And there's no sound. And you're almost leaning in because it's suspense, but it's quiet. And then you're leaning in, they draw you in, and then it blows up in your face. And that's where you get a thrill. You don't get a thrill. I don't get a thrill from Michael Bay <laughs> and like ninety explosions every second. I, I, I get I get a thrill when like there's an explosion and it scares me because I was leaned in real close to hear something that somebody whispered. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, music is becoming more and more like less like that. If you look at if you look at a waveform of an audio file from now, from modern music, it's pretty much like they've compressed it and expanded it till it's it's pretty loud the whole way through. The peaks and valleys aren't as uh, intense. Yeah, but like old stuff would have more. They'd have a real quiet part, and then a real loud part. And that's all part of the poetry of it, you know. It's uh, it's not supposed to be a drone. It's a, it's a painting, <laughs> you know. And that's what a movie is. Mm. We're way off. What's the farthest north you've thing. traveled? <laughs> uh, we've we've been up. We've made it up to um, Talkeetna, Alaska. Oh, okay. You've yeah. been up to Alaska. Yeah. Hmm. How long were you there? Uh, we we were there for three weeks. Yeah, I got a friend who's in the Air Force. Oh yeah, stationed near Anchorage. Wasilla. Yeah, he works in Anchorage. Okay, but um, he he lives near Wasilla, and so we flew up there from Seattle, borrowed their car. And then drove up to Talkeetna. And Talkeetna was just far enough north that we could get a view of Denali in the far distance. Where exactly uh, is that? The Talkeetna? Denali. Denali. It's even further north. Um, it's in Alaska. I mean, Alaska's huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, because we drove and drove and drove. We drove hours to get to Talkeetna from Wasilla and we're looking at the map of Alaska as a whole and it's like we're barely even moved in the state yeah there's like, it's like, there's like um, nine more hours of Alaska left what is it like half the size of the US or something right like that right more than that it's huge it. yeah it's giant if you include all those little islands up there sticking off the end uh -huh. you put all those in it's like as big as a whole country yeah that's I, I my next big trip I want Canada I want Canada to be the one. You're going to have to wait. Can't get into Canada right now. No, not at all? Uh, unless you have some kind of 
skill you offer that they really think they want, you you can't get in at all. Huh. I don't I don't think. Maybe maybe this year they'll let you in with testing or something. I, I don't I I'm pretty sure the border's been pretty closed. Huh. Yeah. I hope it will, maybe. Maybe it is, because I, I have a, a few Canadian friends who I met in Sydney, and they're from the Vancouver area. And one of them, Madison, has mentioned, you know, maybe when lockdowns are up, we can meet up in Canada. And one of the provinces went, right before we left on this trip, one of the provinces had an uptick in cases. They went back, they went back into lockdown. Hmm again so that's hard to tell yeah yeah who knows when my next big trip will be though yeah but yeah that's as far north as we've been that's about as that's almost as far north as you can go right yeah (laughs) Yeah. you get up to alaska there's not much much else you can we really go to we want to drive the alcan well sometime what is that that i mean that that is part of the pan-american highway okay it's a continuous road except for the Darien Gap that connects that I forget what it's called. Is it Dead Horse? A place called Dead Horse? Doesn't sound very friendly. But uh you can go all the way down to maybe Peru or beyond. Um, on a continuous road system, except for that eighty miles of jungle. That's wild. Why why is that still a thing? What? Why has it not been like a road been cleared through the Darien Gap? Um, I read. <laughs> it's kind of like silly, political, but not like political, like politics, like like uh, more uh, with with borders and countries and things, and people have policy about animals and diseases and mm-hmm. things. I think if that were connected and it was more easily uh, traversed, traversed, yeah, I think I read that they'd be worried that like they'd have problems with livestock and stuff. They're really, countries are very concerned with livestock, like permits and things and red tape mm-hmm. getting livestock from across a border. Yeah, and it'd be too easy to smuggle livestock across so 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 the so what what two countries what's on either side of that it is panama and i think colombia but um the way it is now you're going to bring some livestock in what they're totally fine with but they got to like make sure they have all the immunizations and i don't know they got to check them for disease and things and they got to account for them yeah um the way it is now, you bring in the livestock. You there is no way to get in that's not through like an official port on a boat. Yeah, ferry them in. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to smuggle stuff like that through. But there's a road through the jungle. You know, maybe it would be easier. That's what I've heard. Hmm. To me, that's kind of a sad reason why there's not a road. <laughs> but I that may that may be the reason. It's also <clears throat> it's also very difficult terrain. So it'd probably be a really expensive road um, to build through there. Probably. And then the cartels like to hang out. I've heard they like to hang out in that area. 
I think that was the reason cited mainly why um, James Barkman and his friends didn't end up going through there. Yeah. Because it was just too dangerous. Because the way that they were, I I don't think he would have not gone through just because it would be difficult. I feel like I remember him saying, you know, Think about that area. for our own safety yeah. and there's the risk. cartel. There's, so there's, it's it's a very rough area, mm-hmm. and the people that tend to gravitate towards the rough area are the rough people, I guess. So like, there's the terrain can kill you. <laughs> there's animals up there, like snakes and bugs and stuff that can kill you. Lots of ticks. Yeah, and then there's people that can kill you. Yeah, up there too. Mm-hmm. But I'd I'd still like to go through there one day. I don't know if I'd have the courage to do it. <laughs> yeah. Where are we at here? How long do these... What's the longest they've ever gone? The longest is a, about an hour longer than this. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. After cutting them up anyway, choosing a start and end point and putting the intros in, the longest is about 345. Published? Yep. Here I am thinking, we're, uh, this is going to be the longest one you've ever seen, because I'm scatterbrained. No. But, no, but um, <laughs> what topics have we gotten across? I, We've I, talked I, a lot about just kind of living life yeah. and adventuring in general, which makes sense. Like that, That's why I go into this without much plan, because... Mm-hmm. Everybody has something different to talk about than the last person. And I don't want to limit it, given the the whole purpose or the whole premise of the show is interviewing individual people about their life and their own perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't want to limit it by saying this is the direction we always go in. Right. You know? So with different people, you kind of get a, a different... Um, you you you're getting to experience a little bit of their perspective on life with each person who who comes on, and I like that. And are most people from? Have they been generally twenty somethings or thirty somethings? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're I gonna... think um, Brandon Jennings. Hey, Brandon. He was on. Two weeks ago, and he's he'll be thirty nine. I think he may be the oldest. Colby is episode one. He's in his like late thirties, I believe. But because I'm in my mid twenties, and I'm around a lot of other people in their early to mid twenties, I've been having a lot of younger people on, and I like that. I'm happy for anybody who wants to come on, but yeah. I also appreciate how much older people have lived through. Yeah. The older you are, chances are you've just, you've had more time on the earth. You've gone through a little bit more. I like getting to hear from, from those people. Unless you're living totally in the safety. Yeah. There are, <laughs> there are some people. Nothing wrong with that. Who are old and. No, I, I, I guess there's there's exceptions. There's there are yeah. young people who have been through a lot. Yes, but you know, generally, I I I like to use the analogy of a pair of boots. 
you buy if you buy two pairs of the same boots, just these leather boots, and you put one of them outside in the rain, in the weather, in the cold, in the wind for a month. And for that whole month, the other pair is inside in the closet. And you don't even wear them. And one month, the pair that's outside has aged more than the pair inside. Because the age isn't just about how much time has passed. Age is about experience. And there are people who are... I know people in their early 20s who have aged more than some people I've met who are in their 50s. Because they've been through the ringer. Mm-hmm. And they've come out the other side and they didn't remain in the ringer. Yeah. And... I really appreciate that a lot. It's inspiring. It makes me realize. It, it reminds me of how much there is in life, how much there is to offer, and how age really doesn't need to limit us as much as we think. It's humbling because I have stories and I have a life I've lived that some people think is crazy. And then I meet other, some other people, and I just feel like I haven't done anything. And they remind me how yeah, much. Yeah, I feel like, kind of like that sometimes. Even though I've, it, it's, I've been on a lot of road trips. Whoop de doo! You've been on to the road trips, <laughs> you know. But like, I haven't ventured. I haven't ventured permanently too far away from family, mm-hmm. from the safety of people who have houses (laughs) you know so like i feel kind of lame for that because i i end up going back there and relying on them for certain things uh and i know people who are um three years younger than me that own a house now their own house i mean they, they may be in debt for it but uh you know, then their their parents come stay with them. I've never done that yet. I never had a house. My parents have never come over and stayed over at my place. Mine have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty recently. Actually, rent I rented from the grandparents for a yeah. while. So that's kind of like well, they're. It's just a little two room thing. The parents aren't going to come stay there. Uh-huh. I don't have anything to show them yet. Like look look at this house I have, mom. Like no, I just show my yeah. people. Your your my people, all the people I'm around, the people oh, who are yeah. important to me. Like that's that's what I'm always really happy about. Yeah, but hopefully, this coming year we'll end up after the next. Well, we gotta wait. Lumber prices are <laughs> insane. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, um, I didn't believe it for a while because I hadn't seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you hear, you hear people talking about it. They're like, lumber, have you seen lumber lately? I've heard it's crazy. And I'm like, oh, you've heard it is. Interesting. <laughs> who do you hear it from? Someone who heard it from someone? Who yeah. heard it from? Are lumber prices really crazy? Or is it just the talk of the town? But they are actually. And, and then I, I, someone actually posted the, um, they posted the price of OSB, uh, which is you know what that is? Yeah, I mean, some kind of fiberboard. 
It, right? It's made from like it looks like made from a bunch of wood chips. Yeah, but it's like it's what you find all over when they're building the house, all over the floor, subfloor, mm-hmm. all over okay, the, yeah. the roof. Yep. It's they you sheath like the whole place with that, mm-hmm. and um, a common size they use is seven sixteenths thick. Uh, I mean, that's the chintzier one, but the you know people who really want to spend the money they'll use five eighths or three quarters. Because uh, you step on a roof that's made with that, and you, you, it doesn't flex at all. But um, that that price, I want to say, I want to say it's more than quadrupled in in the last year. And like, you see the roof, use a whole bunch of those, and they're like what they're like forty bucks a sheet now, at least maybe fifty. You know what else is more than quadrupled? Dogecoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably has. Maybe it'll come back down. I'm counting on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're counting on it coming back down. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we're we're about to try to start building a house. Mm-hmm. And it's like we've been saving for this for years. Yeah. I finally feel uh with skills. I, I'm I'm just equipped enough that I may be able to squeak through and build my own house with a lot of learning still. Like I'm just at the cusp of being able to do that. I think financially and skillfully, but it just so happens lumber went skyrocketed. So we're going to, we're going to have to, but in the next, uh, I'm hoping in the next year and a half, two years or so I'll be able to, have some people over and say this is my place i own it you can stay over there you know yeah that's a that's a life step that i feel like would separate someone who the tables turn at certain point in your life with your parents from where the the flow the flow of assistance starts to reverse right mm-hmm. so your parents that when you're a baby it's a was a one-way flow yeah uh, i mean they get some they get some satisfaction out of it but they're giving everything to you uh-huh. and it becomes less and less and less and less than you're out on your own and then at a certain point it's like uh, dad's struggling with this thing he can't lift anymore Uh, I'm going to go do it you know Uh, or they need you know they're getting their house exterminated they need a place to stay we got a place you know you get to that point the flow reverses Uh and we're not at that because when you get old you become babies again yeah basically Yeah, but I mean, I guess you you. So I guess it's part of your responsibility to get to where you have the means to reverse the flow <laughs> and and uh, give back. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm especially like a generous person ever in any way, shape, or form, but I understand that's part of life that happens. Like your your parents 
just it's just going to naturally ha- at a certain point they're not going to be here anymore and then they're not going to give you anything uh so but like their giving to you will become less and less and less the older they get you got to take more and more care of yourself the older you get i feel like i'm a little behind on that <laughs> you're not that old though yeah but when my parents were 30 they had a three-year-old. And they were giving that three-year-old everything. That was me. There were some people, <laughs> though, that when they were 19 had three-year-olds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That might have been their parents. Um, They had a three-year-old. They had a two-year-old. When they were 19? Yep. See? And you know what? It was... Totally normal. Everybody was yeah. doing it. Yeah, I think my grandma got married at 17. She had a first kid pretty much right away. I mean, like, within a year, she had a kid. First kid. And Yeah, it's less normal now. Yeah. Still happens in Arkansas. I mean, it happens everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh but it might not happen the same way it happened in 1956. Yeah. Because they had, you know, my granddad had a full-time job. He brought home enough, and my grandma was stay at home. And they were a nuclear family at 19. That's not very normal now. No. Nuclear no, family with a kid at 19. Mm-mm. Uh, So yeah, and then I think my wife's grandparents. I think she, I think she got married at eighteen, and they had their first kid at like nineteen or twenty. I was living in my parents' basement at twenty. I had a room, but I was living with my parents at twenty. The twenty-two is when I moved out, and it stuck. When I made the trip in the jeep, I was twenty-two. And have you gone to any college? No. Do you ever think about it? No. Did your siblings? My eldest sibling did, and then the next one did. And then my younger sibling is, he's studying social work. He wants to be a, a therapist. But he's going. So how did... So how three did, of us didn't. Out of six? Mm-hmm. So that's not very normal, is it? Maybe not. Did your parents, like, encourage it? Probably. But they always thought their kids were pretty smart anyway, and they figured that they'd make things work regardless. Yeah, it's... I have community college. It's a two-year degree. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's really interesting that we're watching a shift I think I think we are seeing a shift. We are in here. It's the every generation seems to have more and more credentials, degrees, becoming more and more normal. Well, like my granddad didn't. My dad did, and then I didn't get a bachelor's uh, degree, and neither will my brother. So two out of their three 
are not going to have bachelors. And most of my family is pretty serious about that, you know, encouraging you to do that. Uh, like that's the best thing to do. And then my wife's family even more. Um, and I think what my brother-in-law on my wife's side, he doesn't have a, a degree. And then the other brother-in-law on that side, he was about to drop out of his degree. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm noticing more and more people around me are foregoing that. I think this gets into a, like maybe a larger topic that we don't need to get into right now. <laughs> But we could steer back away from it. Yeah, but but I think there is there tends to be a pendulum swing in a lot of different areas of life. And this is one of them. And it seems kind of only natural. You get the whole world kind of doesn't have let's generalize and say like grandparents generation didn't like degrees weren't as important. Then they became important. Well, well, okay. What's interesting is back back then, most people didn't, but the ones who did, they made it real far. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they got a huge impression from that. Mm-hmm. See, and, but so, but then it yeah. goes. The pendulum swings, and now right. everybody starts getting it. Yeah. And now it's normal. The seventies, so the eighties, yeah, the nineties. So now everybody has it, and now it's normal. And now, we're in our generation, and employers and the people who are given the jobs are saying, well, everybody has a degree. What else can you give me? And now we have people growing up thinking, well, you don't get a job just because you have a degree. How else can I make this work? Yeah, you don't get a job just because you have a degree. So why would I get one if I don't know yet? Yeah. Because it's like 18 is pretty... That's... You can't just come out of high school and just by chance pick the one thing that's going to define the rest of your life. And if you don't pick it right, and you sure you don't have to pick it, but you you start college then, and then you start working towards the thing that you haven't picked yet, and uh, that's a bad idea to do that because it costs money the longer you're in there and you don't know what you picked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it starts to take longer than four years when you do that. Yep. I think that's a, I'm not, I'm not totally anti-education or anything. Like no. I love learning, mm-hmm. uh, but I am against an 18 year old picking a thing. Cause someone told him to pick a thing and then to go into $80,000 of debt. Yeah, to do it. Like I mentioned this morning. I'm totally against that. (laughs) Against it this morning. What I'm against, I am anti not thinking for yourself. Right. So if the reason you go to school is because you think, well, I want to learn this thing and this is how I do it and I have a plan and I know what I want to do, great. If the reason you go to school is because, well, my parents said I have to go to college and that's, I guess, what you do when you get out of high school. So I'm just going to go to school. I don't, that's not a good enough reason for me. Mm Mm-mm. I think you you owe it to yourself to think more about it and to and to get more opinions from lots of different people in lots of different there, areas. There are other ways to make mama proud. Yeah. 
Do something unexpected and succeed. You'll make Mama proud. Mama will probably be proud of you no matter what you <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, your mama. <laughs> uh, now your aunt may be different. Yeah, totally She's about what your, your aunt thinks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. Now I've had I've had a couple. I've had many very supportive aunts actually about yeah. the stuff I've done. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the aunts in some ways <laughs> some of the aunts might have been more supportive than the than the um parents and grandparents and in-laws there because they're it's like <laughs> they're not responsible for you it's the aunt and you'd be like yeah this is great i think what you're doing is great yeah <laughs> she's just trying to make you like her <laughs> my my mom has definitely been my biggest supporter always hey mom i always try to give a shout out to my mom she she listens when she can yeah i, I would say my mom has been too yeah i told her I told her I had a, uh, I got a thing written already for the for the end of her life, whenever that is, it comes in the future. If it comes before I'm gone, uh, I got a thing written, but she'll never get to hear it because she won't be there. Right? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and it's really uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll. Maybe I'll tell her what it's going to be one day, but it's it's very. She, she would she'd be really happy to hear it. Were your parents born in the fifties as well? Sixties, sixties. Yeah, really. So your parents are younger than mine. Yeah, nineteen sixty-three. Yeah, my dad was born in fifty-three. Wow. Uh huh. And my mom. But you're the 58. second to youngest, right? Yes. So I'm the oldest. Of okay. Three. Okay. So yeah. you're so you have you. How old are your siblings then? So you have a sibling my age, probably. My brother is, I think he's 26. He just got married. Well, he's ahead of me. <laughs> he's ahead of you in some ways, and he's behind you in other ways. <laughs> he just got his, he just got his act together, like, fairly recently, I, and he knows it. He was he was on a dark. So you can send this to him and he'll be, oh, yeah. he'll be okay. He knows it. He was on, <laughs> he was on a he was on a dark path in life, and I I really think he's um, he's cleared it up. You're good. Yeah, like he made some he made some mistakes. He probably he made some mistakes that he got caught for. He made many other mistakes that I don't think he if he'd have got caught for those. It might have been it. Like, that might have been the end. Like, we might have had to go visit him. Uh, <laughs> so then you have a sister? Yeah, and she she's the one that went through college. <clears throat> and uh, this is an interesting aside. For the, for the past two years, we've been building our own camper from scratch. And I knew my sister and her boyfriend were kind of working on a project for a while probably about the same amount of time well i'm kind of i don't really pay attention to what other people are doing too much i knew they were building something uh they had this like a chinook which is a little camper that fits on the back of a toyota truck uh-huh. uh they're working on that they abandoned it and they started building something well i found that here about two or three months ago 
pretty much the whole time we've been building the truck camper, they've been building the truck camper at the same time. Huh. <laughs> and, uh, and so they had a leave date set as, uh, March 15th. I asked them, what's your leave date? March 15th. They said, what's your leave date? And I was like, it's March 15th. And we had just kind of huh. independently, neither of us left on March 15th. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they got theirs done and they headed out March 20 something. And they're in Oregon now. So they, they sold everything, quit their jobs. Ended the lease, and uh, now they're working at um, they're working at uh, some kind of a park or something in in Oregon. Hmm. And she, she's the middle. She's the middle. middle she she got a master's, and uh, she's a she's a fourth grade teacher. Okay, cool. For two years. Now she works at a gift store. Cause she. Cut her way out of the safety net, you know. I'm all for it. I'm all for people abandoning the idea that you have to do the same thing for your whole life. The sunk cost bias, right? Well, I have Man, a career. I've been using I've that. Been here. I've been using that term daily. Lately, it's so helpful. The sunk cost fallacy, the sunk cost bias. Like you, I've well, I've already been in this job for two years. I mean, I don't. That's I've kind of invested a lot of time. Wouldn't like, want to start over. How how many more two year sections of your life do you have? You're well, as you an know? adult. As an adult, like a full grown adult, if you go by life expectancy, you you don't even have. 30 of those two-year sections. If you make it to life expectancy, okay, which is 78 in the U.S., you have, you have 58 years from the time... Right? Okay, from 18, you have 60. 60 years. You got 60 years as an adult. Uh-huh. That's not very many. You know, and you want to waste them doing something you don't care that much about because you think you've put too much time into it already. You know, it's it's a horrible trap to fall into. People do it with yeah. with jobs, with relationships, with possessions. We almost fell into it with the uh, bed and breakfast because you we put in effort to mm-hmm. to gain more bookings, and and uh, it's like well we better stick around because. We we've put in work that the benefits of will continue beyond now. You know, like we worked real hard to get good review here the last three months we were there. And uh <clears throat> why would if we leave, someone else is gonna reap that. You know, we worked for that. We mm-hmm. should stick around and collect it. That's like no. Yeah. It's it's, it's that's that's what you're saying. That's the sunk cost. Mm-hmm. You've you've sunk. You're digging a hole in nowhere, and uh, you keep you keep on digging it, even though there's there may be a treasure over there. 
It's like, well, I've already got this hole like three feet deep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have people in my life who I'm specifically thinking of when I was, air quotes, planning my trip to Australia, who told me, you know, even if you come back in a month, it's fine. It doesn't matter. You just, there's no shame in any of it. You just do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. If you fail in some way, it's not a failure. You just move on to something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were very encouraging in that. Tell them, you know, most people I talk to are like, dude, I never even have got the guts to even think about doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How can you say you failed if you started? Um, right. It's It's not that. I think they trusted that if I came home early, it would be because I felt like I wanted to, and that's all that mattered. It wasn't this idea that, well, I left, and I had some romantic idea that I'd have to be there for a certain amount of time, right, and so you, now You bought a one-way ticket, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I could have been there six months, a year, mm-hmm. two years, whatever it was. How long were you there for? Just two months. But a month in, I wasn't doing great, and I realized, hey, I can go home. I, I've kind of figured out. Did you end your lease? Here. Yes. Here? I, I ended my lease in Fayetteville end of August, moved in with friends in Siloam, which is west of here, and lived with them until I left in January. So I wasn't on a lease or anything like that. And they knew I was planning on leaving. And you weren't you weren't doing great after a month there, or as no, because I realized I wasn't accomplishing anything really. I was. Um, I didn't have a good reason for going out there anyway, and I didn't have a plan, and I was just kind of spending money and not making any money. And at some point, I would have to start making money again, and I didn't know how that would happen. Um, yeah. So about halfway through, I started planning how I was going to get home, what I was going to do. Uh, what was a plane ticket cost at that time? Um, not bad. My my flight to there was six hundred thirty dollars. I think that's not bad. No. Because it was a one-way Still. Flight. And then my flight back was less. I think it was like 540 I thought, take, I thought tickets to and from would cost more than that. I did too. I never looked but, into them though. Yeah. No, I found deals. I used, I highly recommend Kiwi.com. Kiwi. As a, as a resource. Cause Were there connections anywhere? Yes. <laughs> Lots my flight back was cheap because there were four connections. So I had... You had long layovers uh, yeah. anywhere? Yes. I stopped. So I flew Sydney to Honolulu, I think. Was in Honolulu like two hours. Honolulu to San Francisco. 
was in San Francisco like 12 hours. So I slept in the airport. Done that. Yeah. Yep. I don't I don't mind it. It wasn't great, but it was like I was saving a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and then Honolulu to Denver. San, San Fran to Denver? San Francisco. San Francisco to Denver. That's a short flight. Yeah. And then it was in Denver for like eight hours or something like that. And then that to here and is probably also Denver a short flight. And then Denver to Little Rock. Yeah. Um, and I, so a, after I had, the... after I had booked this flight though, I found a cheaper one that was direct to, that was direct, I think from like, it wasn't totally direct. It might've been, it might've been like Sydney to somewhere if at most there was one layover and then it would land me in Tulsa, which is actually closer than Little Rock. That's like less than two hours away. Yeah, and it was cheaper. What was the total travel time if you count the layovers and the flights? Like 30 hours or something like that. 30, 36 hours, I think. And then you did the time zone differences yeah. and all that. Yeah, well, I got the opportunity a couple of years ago to go to uh, this place, Saipan. That was actually... What was that? It is in the the northern Mariana Islands, so north of Guam. In the, I think it's still considered South South Pacific. Okay. Um, you fly, you end up in Tokyo, and you fly from Tokyo to Guam, and then it's Guam kind, to kind of near like the Philippines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, but uh, they had a hurricane hit there. And my father-in-law went there to, uh, I guess, technically it's a typhoon over there. Like relief relief work? Yeah. yeah. So he goes and, and uh, he's got a reverse osmosis water filtration system that runs off solar power. Oh, I remember seeing yeah. stuff about this you were posting. Right. That was actually the fall after I came and stayed here the first time. Uh-huh. But um, he knows I'm self-employed. At that time, I wasn't at the bed and breakfast yet. So and he knows I like to travel, and he knows they need someone who is able to spur the moment travel, and sleep in subpar conditions. Uh, he's like, it seems like it's right up your alley, Jordan. You know, like we're probably he. We don't know where we're going to sleep yet. We don't know what we're going to have, what kind of resources we're going to have. Uh, so that flight, that was my first like real serious international traveling. Um, and it was a direct flight to Tokyo from mm. Dulles, which is 14 hours in the sky. I never knew that was even a thing. I haven't flown much, <laughs> but yeah, four, it's a 14 hours on a plane. I watched three movies <laughs> <laughs> and then we were on, not even halfway there. <laughs> but, um, it was kind of like on the way back it was kind of like that like because then from tokyo to guam's four hours and then guam to saipan i think is uh less than an hour but from the time getting on the plane in saipan to the time i was at the airport in dulles coming home was that was like 24 hours of travel and uh that's with a direct flight from there it's almost exactly on the opposite side of the globe mm-hmm. 
from here. Yeah, that's kind of how Australia is. Yeah. Because the direct flight, I, think I flew right, from... Right north of Australia. From, from Houston to Sydney, direct. And that was about a 18-hour flight. 17 or 18 In hours. In the sky. Yeah. Yep. It's in a big metal to huge plane. Was that a 777? I don't know what it is. There was like five rows of seats in the center and an aisle on either side of that. And then the window seats, there's three rows of seats. So you have three rows, aisle, five rows, aisle, three rows. That's the plane I was on. Huge. This long flight. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a 747. Pretty sure. I don't know. That's one of the longest flights that exists. Probably is. I think it is. There's a limit to how long they can be in the sky. Yeah. They need fuel. <laughs> and it is, I mean, just about the opposite side of the world. The yeah. planet, anyway. Not the world. So they give you meals, far. and you got meals and stuff. Yeah, on the they flight, do. They, they give you food, yeah. You pay to get on that plane. They, they give you some snacks, you know. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, some really crappy coffee. Now, the interesting thing about that flight, because I, I don't ever, I'm too cheap to pay for these things. I just wait till the opportunity comes in in a free form. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know they they gave you meals on the plane, and then about every hour or so. They come through and they offer you drinks. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's not a normal flight. Like, any kind of drinks. You can get beer, wine, and it's like included with the flight. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm not used to getting free stuff like that. So, about about every hour, they're like, uh, I got a Stella. Uh, Stella Artois? Yeah, I got, I got one of those. <laughs> and about every hour, they come through and they're like, would you like another one of those? And I'm like, that's a thing? And they're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember them coming through with all those cards. And they asked me for it. And I was like, is it free? <laughs> <laughs> We're both in that same boat then. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to pay for this thing if I don't need it. I need food. I need to eat if I'm in. I don't want to go without eating. I'm in the sky for 20 hours, you know, sitting on a plane. I think they brought me over the course of the flight. They brought me. I had them bring me three beers, but it's like a 14 hour flight. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're not even, you could drink three beers in a 14 hour period, and not even feel it. Yeah. No, <laughs> Unless it's a founders. But, um, <clears throat> but, uh, after three, I'm like, uh, I need coffee now. How about some, some coffee? Something else to dehydrate me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, that was yeah. an experience. I'm sure we could keep talking. Yeah. But we'll we'll wind down the podcast. What time are we at now? I mean, it's um 11:43. Doggone. And you've got to drive ahead of you. 20 hours. We'll split it up. We probably won't get there tomorrow night. We'll get there the next morning. Where was the destination? Next. Uh Ivan's, Utah. It's about about an hour from Zion. Okay. I about an, uh, it's about 45 minutes west of Zion. And how how long a drive is it from here to there? 20 hours. Okay. Uh, well, just under 20 on the GPS, but it'll take longer than that, you know, pulling the trailer and stuff. 
Um, right. Thir 12, 1300 miles. So you'll do a section of it tonight and we'll, sleep a yeah, bit. We'll, we'll probably drive for like two hours tonight. Okay. And then, uh, I bet we'll do twelve, uh, two hours tonight, and then probably twelve, thirteen hours tomorrow, and then we won't be far. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. So we'll you'll see. get there Friday, maybe. What is that? today? Today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Yeah, we'll get there Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Okay. And if all goes well, we'll come back through next summer. Uh, maybe I'll maybe be on here again. Maybe. Uh, I'll organize my thoughts better. <laughs> and I'll have a better quote by then. Well, there's two things that every episode ends with. A recommendation and something funny. And they're the two most high-pressure questions I ask. Because nobody can ever think of something right on the spot. Well, people, there's always a, a response, but it's hard on the spot. The recommendation can be anything. What to recommend? What to recommend? It can be philosophical. It can be physical. It can be musical. Animal, vegetable, mineral. Huh? <laughs> I said it could be animal, vegetable, mineral. Oh. It can be anything. What do you recommend for the listeners? For those, already, for those who have, made it this far. I have two funny things. Okay. Um, but uh, the recommendation. I recommend that you... Uh, I recommend for people to think for themselves in life. Because that's kind of been the theme of my visit here with you. With a, a lot of conversations we've had. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I recommend... As much as you can, truly think for yourself. Just give it a try. It's very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it's meant, I mean, it is mentally exhausting sometimes. It but, can be. But it's, I think it's emotionally exhausting to do what other people think. Yeah. Get help from people, but think for yourself. Yeah. Think about the help they offer to. Think about their opinions. I yeah. recommend that, but if you take my advice, is are you thinking for yourself? Are you thinking for me? It's a circle. Yeah. And that was the funny thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, the funny thing. I'm gonna tell a I'm gonna tell a story of short okay. two quick story. Okay. I've had a number of those. This is not many people have heard this story, and I can tell it now because I'm not at this uh job anymore. But about a year ago, at uh, as an innkeeper, a live-in innkeeper at a bed and breakfast. People are going to be able to connect me to that place still and know that this happened there, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess they All could right. if we post yeah. your social links and whatever. stuff. It's, uh, we are in this place living, and uh, one of the biggest frustrations would be People that don't respect the check-in time. It's 4 o'clock. The time before 4 o'clock is ours. Personal space. Personal time. 
and also still taking care of the building. Mm-hmm. All right, but people would get there like three, two, sometimes earlier. They wouldn't announce themselves. Oh, so it's not check in by four; it's at four. It's at least at four or later. Okay, because they they won't be ready. So, anyways, it's noon on a weekday. Uh, checkout is at eleven. So the stragglers have left. House is empty. I'm in the bathroom. I am on the toilet. Pants down to my ankles. <laughs> Every layer is down to my ankles. I'm in the bathroom. It's my bathroom. In the room. My bedroom. Bathroom. The, the door to my bedroom when opened you peek out of the door of the bathroom you can see the door of the bedroom you're looking across the bed at the door of the bedroom if that's open you're looking at the front door of the house (laughs) okay uh straight line of sight if you come out of the bathroom door and all those doors are open it's a direct line of sight yeah can you see where it's going yeah i think so yeah so (laughs) I'm in the bathroom there. Somehow I ended up in there without my phone. Right. And the phone rings. And above me is a guest room. There's nobody here, but guest room. And I can hear the vacuum going across the floor. And it's like, okay, Anila is up there vacuuming. She's not going to hear the phone. I'm on the toilet. My phone is right around the corner on the nightstand of the bed. But it's in that line of sight. But it's noon. Everyone's checked out. No one gets here till four. Right? <clears throat> and I like to answer every phone call because it could be money coming in. So I'm like, ah, I gotta get up. I gotta grab my phone real fast. So I jump up. Just real quick, peel around the door. And I... Grab the phone, and as I grab the phone, I look up, and all those doors are open, and there's a stranger standing <laughs> in my bedroom door because they've come in the front door, into the house, at noon, four hours early, and that was the phone call. That was that person. And your pants are still on your ankles. Yes. <laughs> it was a woman standing there. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, And I was like, no, I'm sorry. And I ducked, ducked down below the bed and backpedaled into the bathroom. Hung up the phone. My wife ended up checking them in. They were check. They were just checking in. I mean, they got in there early. Didn't tell us. She checked them in. They were checking in for a three day stay. So we're going to be around them the next three days. <laughs> And uh, um, so I made sure, actually, I stayed in the shadows until they left after three days. I, I didn't see them again after that. <laughs> I can totally understand yeah. why. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> that was pretty, it was pretty rough. But um, it wasn't any awkward after that. Like I said, I didn't. Stayed, stayed away from him. <laughs> wow. 
And they didn't write any bad review or anything. Well, what were you going <laughs> to write a review that says that? <laughs> That's kind, I, of a, that's kind of a freak occurrence, you know? Yes. I don't know how you would slip that into a review. Yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a bottomless innkeeper <laughs> when we checked in, came out from a room, and then we never saw him again. <laughs> All right. Was that funny? Enough? Yeah.